Bryce Dallas Howard was great. He, I, I guess, uh, yeah, she's a little heavier than in, in, in movies past. Uh, no knock on her. A podcast that already wrote 3,000 words of podcast today and isn't terribly interested in writing any more for this podcast, which is an unscripted affair anyway and all the better for it. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori is here. Tell you doing tonight, Lori. I don't feel great. Lori doesn't feel great. That's a that's a bad sign. Tonight is Monday, February fifth, twenty twenty four. Lori not feeling great is not a great sign because our daughter has been sick and then alleged recovery happened and then sick again. Uh, and then another alleged recovery. She and, can rally is the thing. And sick again. She can when she Feels like she needs to get something done. She can do it. Nice. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck you're supposed to do with these kids. Because like you take them, if you take them to the doctor when they're sick, and they're like, "Yep, got a fever and got a cough, and it's not strep, and it's not COVID." So I don't know. <laughs> take them home. Figure, no reason to take them to the doctor for the doctors out. to not know. Uh, I mean that that is basically the answer right just kind of weather the storm just like oh you know it'll just suck for a little while and you'll be fine and this one is a nightmare person because she she's a liar she had a fever for a day or two and then they've all got the fucking the cough like everybody's that just it's like my check engine light in my car like it just means (laughs) the car's on kids are alive here in 2024 don't pay any attention to the check yes i know the check engine light i know they're just going to be coughing. And then, like, you know, so she seems fine after, a, like, a full day goes by with no fever. And you send her back to school. And she does, like, a day and a half in school. And then on Saturday or Sunday, I guess it was Sunday, they were... Pl- oh, Sunday. She woke up fine. She was fine in the morning. And they went to go play at a friend's house. And they came back. And there had been, like, this little mini altercation, this, this kid drama, which is not worth recounting. But... Uh, Suffice it to say, they came back with some drama, and then I was like, all right, whatever. I'm going to do the parenting thing, which is uh, just go to separate rooms for half an hour and and chill out. Like, eh, you go read a book and think about what you've done. You go read a book. You don't have to think about what you've done because you, you're fine. But just go read a book, and it's going to be fine. And I'm going to keep writing this uh, goddamn PTO email that I've spent four hours on that I need to get to the end of, uh, which nobody's going to talk about or read or care about at all, except to sort of muse, like, boy, that motherfucker really did write, like, 700 words before he got to the very first point of the PTO email. Uh, But I I guess he had nothing better to do on a Sunday, which uh, (laughs) is accurate, in fact. You got me. Don't they Uh, say uh, characters when no one's looking, you know? Like, uh, characters when uh, no one's reading all the shit that you wrote, so... Yeah. High character time. Character. That's that's what it is. Work ethic. Uh, Anyway, 
And then Lori comes home and she comes downstairs and she's like, ah, some of those kids, what the hell happened? And I was like, ah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And then uh, Lori goes and like uh, sits with Katie for a second and she's like burning up. She has a fever of 104. She was also laying in her bedroom, which is a warm room because the sun shines in with her winter coat on. Oh. And so I made her take her coat off and go sit in the living room where it was cooler. And then, I don't know, 20 minutes later, I touched her again. And it was just like, oh, my God. Like, she was so hot. Yeah. And so she's sick again for another day. And then today she wakes up, like, totally fine. Or, like, 90% fine anyway. Like, obviously still a little bit under the weather. And then You can't send him to school with... Uh, you're not supposed to send him to school for 24, 24 hours. hours after the last fever or whatever. Oh, okay. This is also stupid. Like, she's fucking fine. It's just, like, she can't quite string together enough days to get all the way back before it, it comes crashing in again. But whatever. Uh, so Bob wanted to take her to the doctor. And I was like, what's a doctor going to do? Like, <laughs> I didn't want to take her to the doctor. Believe me, I'm perfectly happy to not visit the doctor. No, it's you don't just... take a fine kid with no fever to the doctor? Yeah. It's annoying to the doctor. And this would this have been the like an urgent care type or their actual no just no, the pediatrician doctor. like just okay. the pediatrician and I mean, but then he like, let hey, her go doc, to ballet is it meningitis and the doc's like no nah, you idiot it's not meningitis <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you uh, take her home uh, and then yeah she goes to ballet and because like she'd been fine all day and and part of me is like she's pissed she's pissed right she gets pissed that off we are forcing her to rest if she. Like she, she's a terrible sick person. She's a lot like me, where it's like I think she gets it, and and this proves that it is it. it like it's nothing that I told her, but no. like she has the same attitude about sickness, which is like, look, if I just fucking pretend that I'm fine, I'm going to be like eighty-five to ninety percent fine, and I still have to get all the shit done that needs getting done anyway. Except she's nine, and she does not have shit to get done. So we might as well fake it. Uh, but yeah, it's true. She doesn't really have shit to get done. Uh, but that's uh, definitely a learned you, thing, really. right? I mean, they're just observing no, it's just who she is. I don't know if it can be said that she is that observationally aware. I mean, she's a pretty aware little person. But I don't think she knows when I am not feeling my best and no, I, and I because, fight it and, and fake it through anyway. Because we also raise the other one who readily admits when he doesn't feel good. Right. He's right. the worst. He gets out of bed at 6 o'clock in the morning. He's like, oh, my throat hurts. Ah, oh, fuck you, kid. What are you talking about? Your throat hurts. You're going to school today. Welcome to life. <laughs> That's right. Everything hurts. Aren't you glad you're not a fucking migrant who traveled 4,000 miles to squeeze through a, a hole in the side of the, the U.S. border white fence? man in America. Pull it together. Although I gotta say, in, in uh, his defense, whenever I, I hardly feel bad on the once a year where I'm like under the weather a little bit, I'm like oh, this fucking sucks. Like I don't understand how people deal with this like on a chronic level. Like because I'm usually like fine, other than the occasional hangover. But like when it's like I'm sick, I'm like ah, this fucking sucks. There are people that do this like on the regular. This is a normal day for them, where they're just not like, really. It sucks. Yeah. Well, there's all the, all those people running around with uh, what do you call it? Like long COVID and uh, yeah. Yeah, but they don't have fever. No. They still haven't sorted that out. I take it. It's uh, it's because there's probably not a whole lot to sort out, if you ask me. But we don't you have think to get into that. Bull- bullshitting guy. You know, people are uh, saying that they can't run. They used to be marathon runners, and now they can't run. The mind is a powerful thing, Abe. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> 
Anyway. Uh, anyway, we have to go to bed early yeah, because the not, only thing you can do to fight sickness is sleep. It's yeah. your only defense. And I, for, for the record, I don't think I'm fighting anything. So you are welcome, Lori, uh, whenever you need to. Yeah. If I had just the ability to just fall asleep. Right on up those without, stairs. Yeah. The thing is, I can't relax. We might lose knowing... Binyam among other listeners who only tune in. Uh, well, most yeah, of wait, our viewers are listeners. Nice? Who is it that's nice that said they like me? Oh, that's right. So uh, another new subscriber to the uh, Substack, brainiron.substack.com this week, uh, Steve. Yes, Steve. Subscribed. Nice. To I don't know if people want their last names out right, there, well, Lori. You, you got to be careful. All this time editing. Might have Do that. to might have to bleep that one out. You don't know uh, these people and their Steve names. Steve Bablina. Uh, Whatever. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate. As a as a you. as a. As a personal dig, I think he took the shank and, and stuck it right between my ribs this week. You? How dare you? This is a you think this is about you? He signed Someone into, says they like me. He, and oh, it's actually uh it's actually a personal dig I at me. I specifically spent twenty minutes of last week's podcast talking about how upset I was personally about the fact that I put all this work into this nonsense and you get all the, the hosannas. And he goes and starts a Substack account. So he signs up for the Substack and 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 goes ahead and becomes a subscriber. God bless you, Steve. Thank you for that. But then in his bio, he's like, uh, I like the Mets and the Rangers and some other garbage teams, the 49ers, some other crappy teams that he likes. And also, I think Lori is the best part of the show. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> the fuck out of here. It's just one of what, how, the way he identifies. What? Uh, maybe do a little housekeeping here at the start, just because uh, I'm. It's a, a top of mind, and I don't have anything in particular uh, in the news that I desperately want to talk about, because a lot of what's going on in the news today is very much the same thing that has been going on in the news for the last week, which includes this silly fight over uh, border legislation, and uh, we're sort we're in this sort of mini holding pattern, I think, with uh, a lot of the different Mideast stuff. As the U.S. has continued its bombing campaign against targets in Syria and Iraq, not directly fighting with Iran, but uh, 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 bombing their proxies. We don't need your your size and your blowing of the lips, Lori. You're taking too long to complete the sentence that you started. It is a thing that I I frequently— This is not the morning press. There are other people here. I frequently have to go, while well, I'm doing the edit, and I have to zero out Lori's microphone while I'm talking. Because if I get into a particularly long sentence, you just would hear this. <sighs> From her microphone. Which, uh, while funny, uh, obviously— uh, I think could be distracting uh, when I'm in the middle of a particularly I'm, good run. I hear run. that you're silencing female voices is what I'm hearing you say. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the point is, is that, uh, yeah, fucking atmospheric rivers in California. Like, what, what, what are you going to talk about yeah. here? We didn't even watch the Grammys, so we can't go into that. But I did record a morning press today that after spending a while going through the headlines and, and writing a handful of different news items about the the news of the day, I found myself uh, like, what, the, what am I doing here? Like, well, this is just, isn't working today because I cannot, for whatever reason, bring myself to say something interesting and funny about the atmospheric river in California. Like what, what is the, the value add that I'm bringing to a conversation about 
King Charles uh, being diagnosed with uh, cancer and and <laughs> retreating from public life, right? Like, there's nothing. Like, and maybe to some extent, the premise of the morning press is what some people are after. I don't know. Uh, like, maybe the best version of that show is, in fact, a 10 to 12 minute newscast that is just uh, five news items, uh, two to three sentences apiece, perhaps a colorful aside thrown in for each one, a couple of interesting historical facts, and then maybe uh, a quick editorial at the very end, and then we're, and then we're done. And I could, I'm, I'm certain if I've proven nothing else over the last six weeks or so of doing this, uh, like 40 episodes in, that I can do that, right? Like I can absorb a certain amount of news, uh, regurgitate it in an interesting and sometimes funny way, and then uh, uh, move on to the next thing. Uh, but something else that I know about myself is that I will eventually and obviously become bored with proficient. myself. Check. Yeah, proficient at it, and now no longer interested in listening to myself perform that exact thing. So if I show up in the morning one day and I'm pulling up the news and it's just not happening, I'm going to have to go in a slightly different direction, right? And uh, my, my hope is that the audience, uh, such as it is, of the morning press and of, of this show are sort of trusting enough to realize that if it's going to be worth listening to, it has to be something that I am uh, interested in continuing to do, right? Like, so I can right. punish myself and just bang out the 10-minute newscast probably. But uh, like what value, what, what does that actually bring to the table in a way that is uh, meaningfully different or more interesting than uh, whatever you can get from literally dozens of other uh, 10-minute morning news podcasts that you could be downloading instead from uh, organizations that are much better equipped to uh, to put together a newscast than I am, which is not to say that I, I completely am going to disregard the format. I will probably wake up tomorrow or Wednesday and be like, yeah, well, look, those five pieces of news are interesting in a way that I think I can tell a, a compelling few minutes of story about. Uh, but today it wasn't the case. And so I, I'm hoping that people will accept that sometimes things will go in a slightly uh, different direction uh, than they than they always do. And I know that that is like the exact sort of thing that people don't like. Uh, like when they find something that they like, it's like, yeah. I Just want it that. to be the thing yeah. that it was yeah. before. Yeah. Don't go changing things up on me. Right. It's why like my brother Chris would always be like, you know what you need on a podcast is segments. I really need no, bits. is bits and, and recurring bits and segments. And to some extent, like over the course of a long time, it sort of naturally evolved into that, right? Like we do our, our news bag. We might do the sports. The we do our bogus future. Wait, wait, wait. You say we do the news bag. Isn't the whole show a news bag? Yeah, I mean, sort of. I mean, I have an outline not of the show. Of. The whole show is not a news bag. What's the difference between the news bag and... Well, the sports is totally different than the news thing, right? Than the billboard uh, yeah. game. Yeah, we got the billboard game. We got Strassman. We got uh, the occasional uh, pop quiz thing. hot shot. Yeah. We got every now, very uh, rarely do we have a, a, a whack shit or wacky shit. That's right. <laughs> I went back. I was listening to an episode from like two and a half, two years ago or so. And it was a whack shit or wacky shit. I was, I was, because I was searching for a, a recording that I made. In roughly that time period, but because of the way the files are saved on the computer, uh, it wasn't clear to me what I was looking for. So I was having to like thumb through a million different recordings. It was a pain in the ass. You don't have it like date? It's by date, but I only knew the month or so that I was aiming for. And so I had to okay. go and, and listen to a bunch of them. And it was whack shit or wacky shit. 
on the men's grooming products with some really nice. truly spectacular names. Uh, so, number one. From Manscaped, it's Crop Reviver, your new favorite ball toner and refresher. This ball spray toner is just what the doctor ordered for your buds below. Please stop reading it that way. I cannot. (laughs) Soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts keep your high friction areas cool, calm, and protected after a good shave. Fact! Teenage body washes are weak, watered down, and smell like Friday night at Fraternity Row. Simply put, they don't get the job done. Hardworking men require a shower of substance to accomplish a full day's work. Duke Cannon's Thick is formulated with a noticeably higher viscosity and built to work effectively on your body, not spew down the shower drain. Why do they want to evoke... Yeah. It seems like Come, they're playing up uh, when playing they're up talking jizz. about yeah. body wash. Yeah. Because they're clearly trying to evoke expelled seminal fluid when they're Isn't talking that what about men this. Like? Don't men like that? I don't want to rub it all over my body. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> the, the, the next brand should be like a seven roper or something. If they're going to go that far into <laughs> this nonsense. Anyway, I got a great kick out of us from two summers ago. That was fun. Anyway, uh, uh, forgive the the long uh, monologue there about myself, but like, do you think that uh, allowing like it seems because you said that yeah, Binyam now listening, we have a few handful of listeners. I feel some sort of. Uh, responsibility now that uh, I'm actually there's there's like a small amount of money coming in, I I feel a responsibility to do something that uh, continues to be interesting uh, to people. At the same time, like I got to do what works for me, or else it's just not going to happen anyway, right? Right. Now, when you said you know you may change it up, I mean like you 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 will have some episodes where it's a, a lot of assigns and like. You know, you have a lot of fun with them. There's been at least one episode where there was just like one maybe comment, but it was just like a straight delivery of this is what happened. And like, so like, if you're not feeling it, like what's wrong with just doing those? Like, because just selecting the news is like, basically like, this is like what you found interesting because there's so many different news things happening. Right. Well, and that was the problem with the the one that, because I know there have been a couple that have been basically just straight newscasts, and yeah. that's fine. The problem is that if I get to the point where, like, as long as those stories are interesting, and I, and like in the process of of learning more about them, I find interesting things. Like, there, it's not always an editorial aside, right? Like, yeah. I have gone into the history of a thing the best that I can learn by uh, reading old things on the in the paper, or or just even just going to encyclopedia entries and that sort of thing. And to the extent that that engages me, yes. But when I go to the AP today and it's like uh, women dominated the Grammy Awards and there's this fucking big storm in California and the Republicans are continuing to distance themselves from the border policy. It's like, look, I just did all these fucking stories. Right. Like, I literally just did. Yeah, but I just did all those people's fucking haircuts and I have to do it again. So No, I know. But like, what is the so but to the extent that I can uh, make it interesting, I already did on Thursday or or Wednesday or something right. like and and to me, it just becomes a, a thing that's just repeated. Like, and why is anybody listening to me repeat myself when I just said the same thing last week? It's because it's they don't preferable. know that you're going to. No, I know, but that's why. 
But that's the thing. I don't want them to be like, ah, oh, that was boring. Ten minutes. Well, of it won't be the radio. same news again tomorrow. And you'll no, I know. Put an update. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And I do updates, and I, I try to remember a thing that I might have said that might have been uh, questionable or or editorial in nature, and then have the world prove me wrong, and then I go back and hopefully try to acknowledge or correct that. But like today, I ended up just doing essentially a three minute report on a thing that that Facebook came out with today about a piece of disinformation video that they were trying to determine whether or not should stay on their platform, right? So Facebook has this uh, review board. It's not within the company. They just fund it. And then the the review board exists as this independent check on whether or not uh, Facebook is correctly implementing their own policies, sort of like an external ombudsman that they are cutting the check for. And they came out with a ruling about a video that from many months ago showed Joe Biden putting his finger on his daughter, his granddaughter's chest in a way that was edited so that it looked like he was being a creeper. When in reality, all he was doing was putting an I voted sticker on her on her dress. And she like she puts the I voted sticker on his uh, suit lapel and he's like, where do you want your I voted sticker? And she's like, here, put it right here. And he dutifully puts the I voted sticker right where she wanted it to go and then gives her a kiss on the cheek. And it's this very like innocent uh, sort of charming moment between Biden and his granddaughter, which, uh, by the way. Only uh, the video is from October of 22. It's from the midterms. Okay. And he looks so much younger and sounds <laughs> and, and just just the way that he walks is it's markedly different. And yeah. it's not even it's not even two years ago. Like the decline is serious with this guy. And you can go look at video from 2022 just to prove it. Like you go and look at video from 2020 and it's shocking. But to then see something from just 18 months ago and to have it be that sort of meaningfully different than the way that he looks and sounds now, it is disturbing to the point where, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm me and like everyone else are making a much bigger deal out of Biden's age than we should be making. But like, I don't know. It, it just go look at some old video of Joe Biden and then go look at recent video and tell me that it, that, that something serious isn't happening there. Right, but it's it's like the same thing, right? For the last, I mean, now we're into the fourth year here, where it's been the same thing, and he's getting older. So like, it's like, oh, this point is even stronger now because like he's actually older now than he was two years ago when the argument was still made with valid reason, right? So he's just always been old the last three, four years. So it'll continue to be old. That's how time works. Yeah. Well, there was that poll that just came out this weekend. I forget who who put it out, but there were like ten different things and like where do you rank trump on this in this category and where do you rank biden and like the three biggest things were like the 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 biggest things that where trump has the biggest advantage is the physical and mental ability to do the job uh (laughs) the economy and like one other thing like maybe uh, oh the border of course so like the the three biggest advantages that Trump has over Biden right now, according to polling, are easily like the three most important things at the top of voters' minds. And like we are – it would be foolish of you – I don't know if this is going to be a prediction show or not. But uh, right now, uh, based on everything that we know, it would be sort of crazy to think that this is at best 
anything but a coin flip between these two guys. Right. right? But it was a coin flip more or less. I mean, uh, with the electoral college thing, right? I know there's like a four-point spread in 2020, but it was like thousands of votes over like a few states, right? Like in 2020, it'll be the same right. this time, right? So it doesn't matter what the polls are showing, you know, up four points, down four points. Like it'll just be a very coin flippy kind of thing. And by the way, it will have no- – what's weird is that, you know, I see all these polls and, and, and they'll sometimes – drill it down to something specific like you said okay what about handling the economy or like foreign affairs or whatever right and the numbers are whatever they are but it seems like our people people seems like they've already decided one way or the other and they're just kind of pointing to things like i don't think they do a lot of looking into it's not like they look at the economy under biden and the economy under trump and say this one was better or this one was worse right even though like when they look at some objective metrics they'll say that actually this thing that you thought was a good thing six years ago was not a good thing. You know, like uh, the things that people, the, the way that people form opinions is, is, I don't know, it's based on a lot of different factors, but it's not just some sort of like objective thing. It's just like, I want this to be true, so it is true. And at the end of the day, it won't matter. They'll just vote whichever way. So even people that think lowly of Biden one way, they'll still vote for him. And just the same holds true with Trump. It's not going to change. I think people are just – there's like a lot of noise is what I'm getting at. All of these polls are just making a lot of noise. I mean I agree that it's a lot of noise and it's hard. You don't want to take polls in January or February of an election year and assume that they mean anything because so much can change. But by that same token, the fact that you don't think that there's much room for maneuverability or or that these numbers are going to change much means that – like these these very small little things matter a great deal and you have to somehow convince yourself that enough people in Michigan and Georgia and Arizona and Pennsylvania like I think Pennsylvania's fine I think Virginia's fine but like this stupid election could come down to Georgia and right. like if you're the Democrats do you really want this election to come down to Georgia if you could conceivably have somebody in there who would have a better chance against Trump well it all dep- it can come down to any one state eventually but like if you know there's this if if Michigan and Wisconsin stay blue and Pennsylvania does too then basically it's like you just need one of like Nevada, Arizona, or Georgia, right? So you don't need to get all three. There's all, they always include North Carolina to the mix, but North Carolina never seems to swing blue. It seems, I mean, it did with I think uh, Obama, but like it will just come down to one of those states. But it may not necessarily be Georgia. But Georgia is one of those states where it could come down to it. And yeah, you're right. Uh, the trend here is that it won't go towards Biden a second time, but we'll see. Because, I mean, it was like, what, 11,000 votes? What was the votes that uh, Trump was looking for last time? It was raised or thin. So, like, if there's any right. sort of drop-off in support for Biden, then it's not going to go his way, right? And, and, and again, it goes back to just who shows up, right? I don't think, like, Biden is winning any new voters. I don't think Trump is winning any new voters. Just, like, who actually shows up to vote. And what will be right. the salient and if it comes point? Down to, if it comes down to enthusiasm, which is all who shows up ultimately means, right? It, right. It essentially, voter enthusiasm. I don't see how you can say that there, people will be more enthusiastic about supporting this decrepit old man than they are with getting retribution on the entire country, which is what the Trump voters seem to be excited about. This is It was an NBC News poll. I just pulled it up. On a few issues and personal characteristics, do you think that Donald Trump or Joe Biden would be better on these following eight or ten questions or whatever it is here? Uh, the biggest gap 
here is on securing the border and controlling immigration. Biden trails by 35 points. Next, having the necessary mental and physical health to be president, Biden trails by 23 points. Dealing with the economy, trails by 22 points. Dealing with crime and violence, trails by 21 points. Being competent and effective, he trails Donald Trump by 16 points. Improving America's standing in the world, he trails by 11 points. Protecting democracy, we finally get to something that he leads in, and he leads in by all of two points. Yeah, something like 44% of Americans believe that he would protect democracy better than Donald Trump would versus 42%. On abortion, he's only up by 12 points. That's remarkable, uh, uh, by the way. I mean, the, the, the only reason why the abortion thing is such as that it is is because of Trump's Supreme Court nominations, right? I mean, if it wasn't for that, there would not be this. So, like, it's weird that the margin is only 12 on that issue. Right. Well, because you see that at 32 or 33 percent support for Trump on that question, that just represents roughly the entirety of the pro-life vote. Right. Right. Like that's just that, that roughly a third of America is is rapidly pro-life and, and that's who's going to support Trump on the question. And then finally, treating immigrants humanely and protecting immigrant rights. He leads Trump by a hearty 17 points. But uh, that's the that's the widest gap there. I think that Democrats should be absolutely fucking terrified. And this is assuming that it's a head to head matchup. Uh, more or less, and that there isn't any serious challenger on the independent end or or a no labels type of individual uh, showing up. Because if that happens, Trump's floor is much stronger than Biden's floor is. I think uh, if if there were a, a third party, right? And, and, and you know the the thing is, uh, I I'm seeing these uh, polls, all these uh, stories about these polls, and there's also some that are coming. Uh, for Trump where they're saying like he's losing the independent vote or like there's like a lot of negative stories about polls for both candidates, which makes sense because they both have high disapprovals. But it's just weird how all of this polling, like, you know, they'll say, oh, bad news for Biden, bad news for Trump, bad news for Biden, bad news for Trump. It's like there's got to be good news for somebody, right? It's like it seems like this is just this specific article is t talking about the the weaknesses for Biden, which are valid. But then the, tomorrow's story will be like, here are the weaknesses for Trump. It seems like they're the news is geared towards kind of driving the anxieties that people have. Like, okay, I'm worried about. I want yep. Trump to win, and so like I'm gonna click on content that shows where he's weak, or I want Biden to win, and I'm anxious, and I, I I'm gonna click on these articles. It seems like there's just a lot of noise, and like people have these opinions, but. It'll end up – I bet you when, when the dust settles, the numbers will be very close to what they were in 2020. Like it'll be very close. The margins, it may flip in a state, but it'll be very close. Like we know the states will be very close. And so like what would be the point of all of these like, oh, he's bad at this angle or that? It just seems like it's just content for just people who are just clicking. Like because I don't think this represents – where the numbers are going to be. It's going to be around where it was in 2020. It will be much ado about nothing. Kind of like, almost kind of reminds me of the, the run-up to that 2020 midterms, the, the the red wave and all of this stuff and all of these numbers. And the numbers ended up being whatever. Like, it, not, none of that stuff materialized, but the polling showed that. So it's like, what's going on with all these polls showing one thing? But the actual results of the election have been fairly stable and consistent in the midterms and all the off-year elections we had in 23. So like, all of a sudden, it's going to go the other way in twenty four. Right, like and 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 by by fairly consistent, it's fairly consistently in opposition to 
the the Trumpian end of things. Right. Whether Trump is personally on the ballot or not, he has consistently harmed the Republican ticket relative to what we might have expected. And that includes even when he won in 2016. But I agree. There's not a lot. And that's not going to stop for the next seven or eight months, no. uh, this sort of stuff from going on. And to some extent, it's sort of like sports talk radio, right? Like sports right. talk radio and, and the the idiots on, on ESPN, all the talking heads are they're going to play the games. Like it doesn't matter what Skip Bayless thinks about LeBron. Like LeBron, LeBron's still going to go out there and and play the games. Right. Uh, the, the Cowboys are still going to lose in the playoffs, no matter what Skip Bayless predicts. <laughs> and and ultimately, the it's all going to play out uh, as it will, regardless of uh, what the polls show. Right. What, what's what, what's strange about this election cycle is that there's been, as far as I can tell, no incumbent president starting this far back and have them win it, right? Like he's way too far back at this stage of the election cycle for him to, to mount a comeback, but then he's going up against somebody who's run and be, been president before. So it's a very unusual— The stock market is at, is at literally all-time highs. Right. He's going to get a, a rate cut from the Federal Reserve here probably at some point in March or certainly by the, the midpoint of the year. And he has a 37% approval rating. Right. Everyone fucking hates him, right. and everything is going mostly fine. Like, the border is one thing, right? The border is a fucking disaster. But I think that we can now – like, if if the president's approval rating is not intrinsically tied to the feeling of Americans uh, about the economy, which it seems to be – as I said last week, it seems to be sort of decoupling. I think there are two things going on. One, the economy isn't as good as the numbers sort of suggest it is, at least in the way that it feels to most people. Right. And that is just that is just a fact that prices are so much higher than they were uh, before the pandemic. Uh, and, and Powell got into that a little bit on 60 Minutes last night, which uh, I don't know if you saw on 60 Minutes last night yeah. or not. You did or didn't? I'm sorry. I did not. I did not catch it. No. Okay. Uh, there was a funny moment where uh, Scott Pelley asks Jerome Powell, he's like, so you are about to lower interest rates. Uh, the Fed has been signaling this for some time now. It seems like at some point, uh, maybe not, I don't, you don't have to break news here or anything, but at your next meeting or maybe, maybe the big meeting after that, you guys are going to cut interest rates on the, on the, the cost of borrowing money, right? And what I want to know is you're going to do that in an election year, does politics play any role in your decision about cutting interest rates or not? Your decisions inevitably are going to have a bearing on this year's election. And I wonder to what degree does politics determine your timing? We do not consider politics in our decisions. We never do and, and we never will. I wanted to pause. I didn't pause it, but like... I want to deposit and just like sort of uh, uh, soak in that moment of possibility that Jay Powell was going to say yes. <laughs> that, that, that the, the head of the Federal Reserve was going to be like, uh, just just take the mask off and reveal himself to be one of the masters of the universe and say, well, yes, Scott, of course, I'm simply trying to control all of global politics. Why wouldn't my decisions about the interest rate be completely informed by my preferred political outcome? Right. But of course he of course he says the the wrong thing. What I said to Calvin as they went to commercial, I said, Calvin, 
because uh, I forced the boy to watch the 60 Minutes with me because I'm a bad father. I was like, imagine that they're interviewing the commissioner of the National Football League, Roger Goodell, uh, just before the Super Bowl. And uh, the interviewer says, Roger, have you predetermined the outcome of this game? And why did you choose uh, the team that is going to win ahead of time? And for Roger Goodell to then say, well, we chose the 49ers this year for uh, the following reasons. Like, imagine that was the thing that happened. That is how absurd it would be for Jay Powell to respond in the affirmative to the question that uh, Scott Pelly asked. Right. That was a, it was a funny moment. <laughs> Anyway, there was also uh, a lengthy story about the the border fence and the, this hole in one particular spot down there in Texas where hundreds of uh, Chinese immigrants in particular, Chinese migrants, were, were coming through uh, this one spot on this guy's – or right near this guy's property down there. And I don't know if it's necessarily worth talking about the specifics there, but – uh, I've I've shared with you a few times this week, uh, Elon Musk's Twitter account, yes, where he has been consistently sharing these posts from both Republicans and also sort of uh, people of that side of the aisle, the the sort of Tucker Carlson end of the border discussion. Uh, talking about how this uh, Lankford border deal that appears to be all but dead at this point is just an attempt. And the, the thing that he keeps coming back to is that this is an attempt to build a voter base for the Democratic Party uh, since they're losing uh, with real Americans. They have to bring in this massive influx of illegal immigrants who they will then turn into citizens who will then become voters for the party, which aside from being uh, an out-and-out version of like replacement theory stuff that right. we've talked about over the last couple of years – and for the record, again, like you feel like you have to caveat it, but like it's not unusual for like a progressive think tank to have acknowledged that the shifting demographic reality of the United States favors the Democratic Party moving forward, or at least the traditional makeup right. of the Democratic coalition as it's been understood for the past fucking 50 years or so, right? Which is that. You consider uh, more – it's a more working – it has been a more working class party. It has been a more uh, diverse, uh, racially diverse party. The heart of it, uh, the, the backbone arguably of it has been African Americans. There's not a, a stauncher, more supportive group of one, one party than African American people have been of the Democratic Party over the last couple of – few generations. So it's not – completely out of left field or or entirely necessarily uh, racist or white supremacist version of this. But when it comes out of uh, Elon Musk and Tucker Carlson's mouths, it certainly sounds that way, right? And when, when Trump talks about immigrants poisoning the blood of our country, it certainly sounds unpleasant. And this is partly the focus of today's morning press, which sort of ties neatly back into what I was saying earlier about just finding something uh, that grabbed my interest that I wanted to to think about and then and talk about on the show. But what do we do about the fact that it seems like a significant portion of of the discourse has completely lost their fucking minds? Uh, in are you maybe in response to 
a sincere belief that another part of the discourse has sincerely lost its fucking mind, right? right? But what in the world are we going to do when... I'm trying to think of a way to frame this that it makes fucking sense, and I don't know if I can get there or not. Uh, all right, so on the on the morning press, uh, I gave an example of... I started with the the conversation about uh, this Joe Biden video, which was uh, deemed to be both manipulated media, but also that they weren't going to take it off the platform. There's this seven-second video that is obviously fake video, but it didn't break their rules. And so the the oversight board is like, look, uh, first of all, you need to clarify your rules better because this is obviously in the same spirit as the sort of thing that you're trying to ban, but technically – uh, doesn't violate the rules as you have written them. So you're going to need to uh, be better about writing more clear rules. But also, we're not sure that this is the sort of thing that should be banned, and instead it should just have a little tag on it that right. says manipulated media on it, or 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 this is in some way, this has been altered in a way to give a false impression. What difference does that fucking make if the overwhelming majority of people, and by overwhelming majority, I mean Approaching 100% of people see the video and know, A, that it has been messed with, and B, that it's giving a false impression of who Joe Biden is, right? Because there's not – it's not like there's 40% of Americans who think that Joe Biden is a creepy pedophile who inappropriately touches his daughter, right? Right. Like that is a – or granddaughter, rather. That is a vanishingly small – number of people who actually believe that Joe Biden is a is a creeper in the way that that video is trying to portray him to be instead all it is is it's uh it's a it's a stupid shot a virtue signaling shot fired in the culture war that says uh your guy's a fucking creeper what are you democrats going to do about it and then the democrats are like oh you guys are such pieces of shit for calling our guy a pedophile creeper what how typical how typical of you pieces of shit for continuing to be pieces of shit in this Fashion. Like, and that's why the video exists, right? And that's why it gets the views that it gets or whatever. I then went on to try to compare it to uh, the conversation surrounding George Floyd's murder. Uh, because Tucker Carlson a month ago started talking about how everything that you've been told about the George Floyd killing, I, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, was a lie, right? <laughs> the, the, the thing that you thought you saw that the media told you over and over again uh, was, was not true, and instead this other thing is true. And uh, the, the way that you can prove that is by going and watching this documentary film that came out uh, a month ago. And so people do that, right? They go and they watch the film. And uh, some people that I really respect, whose opinions I I have very much appreciated over the course of the last few years, especially including uh, uh, Glenn Lowry and John McHorder, who do a podcast together, but then also are their own uh, presences out there in the world, watched this documentary and proceeded to do an hour-long conversation about it where they expressed some amount of dismay at having swallowed the official media narrative of the death of George Floyd and and expressed uh, a degree of appreciation for this documentary for exposing the way that they were lied to and for opening their eyes to something that they believe uh, had been hidden from them before, starting in 2020. Further, a writer named Coleman Hughes, who's a young black guy who for some reason testified before congress uh as, for as a 
I don't even remember. It was some sort of a it was a black identity thing in the in the aftermath of the Black Lives Matter stuff. Okay. He was he was there to present something besides the Ta-Nehisi Coates vision of uh, a post-racial world, right? Like the it's not so uh, bad uh, argument. The to to present a, a a vision of aspirational colorblindness that we will okay. would have traditionally understood to have been the position of a Barack Obama as late as 2012, right? Like like to while acknowledging the realities of racism and the ways that uh, people have been uh, treated poorly and systemically uh, for generations that. Perhaps the answer to systemic racism is not more systemic racism uh, would be the way that they would uh, likely phrase it. And it's super easy to go up against Ibram X. Kendi on this type of a fight, right? Like Ibram X. Kendi uh, is a, a stupid black and white thinker. Uh, forgive that. That's not, you know, that's not what I meant. Yin uh, and yeah. yang thinker? He's purely in a, uh, uh, if if you are not doing an, an actively anti-racist thing, then you are behaving racistly, right? right? That there is only racist action and anti-racist action and that there is no neutral action. And you so that sort of... Th- you know, uh, if you have uh, power steering problems, and if you just let the car run, it'll just veer off course, like it's like your alignments are off. He's his thinking is that he, you know the people are like racist, like aligned, like you know. So if you if you're doing nothing, you're 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 going in the wrong direction. You have to actively like fight the steering. So right, that you're going and straight. further. And further, and and if you even if you accept that premise, further any outcome that leads to observable inequity is because there was a policy baked in that made that outcome inevitable because of racism right, right? and that that literally if there's not a perfectly proportional amount of uh black doctors or black statistics professors or like wh- wherever you go in the world if you don't get a a perfect statistical uh, representation of everyone at every point along the success ladder, then it's because racism and and that we must account for that and and create a world that solves for it. Right. And uh, I align more with Coleman Hughes. If those are my two options, I choose Coleman Hughes. That's an aside to the fact that Coleman Hughes published an essay in Barry Weiss's The Free Press uh, in the middle of January where he said, this documentary about George Floyd changed my mind about the George Floyd killing. And I think that Derek Chauvin was uh, inappropriately convicted of the murder of George Floyd. They uh, CGI'd making a, the you're knee ma- to the back. You're making a puzzled expression, Abe. What's the problem? Wait, here? so I mean, this went through. This wasn't like decided in the media. Like this went to court. Like they actually heard all the arguments, and a decision was reached. There was a video with the knee on the, the like that. That did not happen. So the, like what? What is the documentary? Video? The documentary claims that the jury was dispermitted from hearing relevant evidence that Chauvin, Derek Chauvin, the cop was in fact simply carrying out the proper training as given to him by the Minneapolis Police Department. And that uh, he was essentially uh, human sacrificed in order to save that police department. That rather than acknowledge that 
Chauvin was simply doing proper police work as understood by that police department. And as he was trained, they instead lied about what that training was and hid that information from the jury and sent him to jail for the next 22 years or whatever the sentence was in order to uh, protect themselves, to protect the police okay. department. There. I have not watched this documentary, but it, it just sounds very odd that, that there is such an interest to – to protect that sort of behavior by law enforcement, like you would, you don't, you don't want right. that and to be how people are are treated. Like it doesn't matter what your point of view is. For what it's worth, the the sort of the point of the morning press today was that it's not true. So the claims in the document, the, the, the documentary is not to be trusted. They believe it or not, uh, they are not entirely forthright in their arguments. They they tell lies about the training materials of the police department. They tell lies about how Chauvin was trained, and they ignore things that are inconvenient to their narrative and instead insert things that only tell their side of the story. There is a Chris Rufo-like end of uh, uh, of the argument that says if if team A isn't going to play fair, then team B is just always going to lose. And why should we, this, the suckers, continue to lose? This is essentially Trumpism in a nutshell, right? That if you that 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 Trump's major complaint is that. Uh, on our behalf, right, on the, on the behalf of the people, is that you've been suckers all along, America, because you have continued to believe these lies that these cheaters continue to shove down your throat. Let me be your dirty cage fighter. Let me be your tribune. Let me be your champion by being as awful as they are, right? I will, whatever lie I tell is in service of a greater truth, which is that those people are scumbags and have been for generations, right? So uh, uh, taking that as your model, this documentary, arguably, is just doing more of that. It's saying the mainstream media obfuscated about George Floyd. They turned him into a martyr and into a hero when the reality is is that he was uh, uh, sort of a dirtbag uh, drug addict and that we shouldn't be elevating this person into some sort of civil rights icon uh, and that you sh- if they had simply told the truth from the start, maybe we wouldn't have to be telling these sorts of, like that is that I imagine is the justification for why they're they're telling the sorts of lies that they're telling. But the end result is that it ends up, Confusing, I think people who generally have operated in good faith, like Glenn Lowry, like John McWhorter, I think that Coleman Hughes gets – I think he's a little bit overrated in the uh, in the heterodox uh, uh, intellectual space. Uh, but to be fair, he's like fucking 25 or something. So like, uh, you know, let's not yeah. let's not get out of your skis too much yet, kid. He's overrated uh, in what space? In like the the don't make me repeat it, you jerk. Oh, it was so good though. <laughs> you sounded like such an asshole. The, I, I mean, what's it, it's an intellectual dark web? Like, there's no way to describe these people without sounding like you're being like weirdly complimentary of them, right? Like, uh, and I'm not trying to be, but they they don't exist within the normal confines of mainstream thought and further cannot be easily qualified as like black conservatives or something like that, right? Like this is like it's not there's not an easy space for them because they are But they, they will are, be labeled all those things, right? Uh, at different points. Well, of course, yeah. 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 Anyway, the point is is that 
the lies told in this documentary are lies, and this is well documented by someone named Radley Balco, who's a, a libertarian blogger and has worked, I believe, at Reason Magazine, or at least been published in Reason Magazine in the past. Uh, he wrote, which was what I read first thing this morning in his Substack, a lengthy takedown of Coleman Hughes's and the documentary's claims about the Minnesota Police Department and what their training manual says, right? So that whereas the, the documentary and Coleman say that this was essentially the training that he received was to put his leg on this guy's back and neck in this fashion, Balco definitively proves in my by my reading that that is not the case, that the, that the hold that he put George Floyd into is designed to be gotten out of as soon as possible. That it's a it's it's called maximal restraint technique. MRT is the shortened form of it. And the idea is that you you get the guy on the ground so that you can then put him in a device that will be more essentially will be more comfortable. That you can you sort of put this other device, it's called a hobble on him. You tie his ankles to his hands effectively, and then sit him up so that he can breathe properly. The specific training that this police department was receiving for the last decade is that you do not want to be on this guy's back for any longer than is absolutely necessary because they killed a guy doing this exact same thing in like 2014 or something, like a younger guy who was in much better shape than George Floyd, that a guy uh, was asphyxiated to death in the exact same fashion less than a decade earlier, right? So this is a police department that was very careful about training their employees to not do this exact thing that Derek Chauvin does and he does it worse than any version of it can be imagined, right? Including keeping his knee on this guy's upper, whether it's the upper back or right on the neck or whatever, doesn't matter because he's compressing the abdomen right. in such a fashion that— And it, enjoying it. That the per, he, I, I don't think that's fair to say that he's enjoying it, and I—, I, I I don't see the point in it. I don't think that he's enjoying it. He was think, uh, defiant to the people that were kind of milling about, right? Like I remember – Right, which is something yeah. that we talked about as it, in the immediate aftermath right. of it, that like how much of what we witnessed there was in part a, a factor was played by the fact that the crowd had gathered and was against the cops in that moment, right? right? Like what stupid psychology is going on in the cop's head? That, that puts him in this like oppositional defiant mode, right. uh, like a fucking toddler. And that's why he doesn't take his knee off him, even though the guy is passed the fuck out, right? And that's the, that's the, that's the, it's why the moment that I saw Tucker say, you've been told lies about the entire George Floyd thing, I made an entirely glib dismissal of it without investigating it any further because I watched that fucking video, right? right? I watched that guy beg for his life and then stop begging for his life right. and then that knee stayed on his neck for three more minutes after that right? right like i'm sorry tucker you can't take that away from me right there's there's no amount of you saying you were lied to that changes that fact and then of course when when uh somebody that i've respected for a decade or so uh, john mccorder feels that 
uh, his mind has been meaningfully changed by the information that was presented in this documentary, I felt compelled to investigate further because like that to me is like, that's a signal that maybe there's something here that I really have missed. I, I hope that McHorder is made aware of the fact that he was lied to in a meaningful way and he can go back and, and sort of reevaluate his position on the whole thing. But my suspicion is that uh, you have to be uh, a sort of a fiercely independent intellectual thinker or, or intellectual maybe is an unnecessary qualifier there. But you have to be so completely keenly aware of your own tribal instinct uh, when presented with this sort of thing to to stay on the side of the true information, to stay on the side of facts rather than allow yourself to be swayed by whatever your suspicions about the world already are, right? right. So for uh, the vast majority of of progressive types who saw the George Floyd video, it was simply confirmation of something that they've believed for a very long time, which is how we then ended up with month after month after month of any time a piece of violence happened against a black person at the hands of the police, it became a condemnation of the entire system, right? right. The reason that anecdotes became uh, completely blown out of proportion. There were those, there were polls that came out that showed that like uh, the average American liberal thought that like Literally tens of thousands of black people were killed by police every year, right? right? Like in the the people completely lost their fucking minds. The number is is tiny compared to that, right? Is it too many? And and does that does that feel like it's diminishing in some way the pain and suffering of people, right? Like because how many Tamir Rices do there need to right. be? Right, one is right? too many. The, right, yeah. Right, the fact that it's one is utterly unacceptable. It, it, it is a tragedy of unspeakable uh, depth. But the idea that people are walking around in the in the summer of 2020 with this idea that tens of thousands of black people are murdered at the hands of police every day, uh, the only reason that that's possible to believe that is if you see the video of George Floyd and you think this is this is perfectly confirming of everything that I've already thought before. Right. The reason that we had that moment that that convulsion in 2020, in addition to the pandemic stuff, everybody's cooped up and going fucking crazy anyway, is that that. That was for people who didn't already believe it, proof of something happening that they didn't think was possible, right? Like it was when George Floyd was murdered on video and we all had to watch it and we all watched that nine-minute video over and over again. For people not predisposed to to be uh, fed up with police brutality, for people not predisposed to believe that 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 white cops treat black offenders worse than they do anybody else, for people not predisposed against uh, bad police behavior in the first place, that was something that 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 felt like a, a shift in the way that they saw the world, right? And that's why the world lost its fucking mind for a few months there, right. So uh, for, for two or three years later, when, when people like Glenn Lowry and John McHorter and Coleman Hughes and uh, to a certain extent people like me are, are seeing uh, a correction happening 
like maybe the thing because a, a, a lot of what followed from the George Floyd thing, even as I acknowledged that uh, that was completely unacceptable and that maybe some fundamental changes really are in order here, I had no truck for the Ibram X Kendys and the and the and the Nicole Hannah Joneses of the world, right? right. Like I wanted change. I thought that uh, it was warranted, right? Like we all saw what happened there. We need to find a way uh, uh, for justice to happen, but. Uh, I'm not convinced that giving Ibram X. Kendi $50 million and making him the head of a new college at Boston University and giving him a newspaper is a meaningful way of affecting the sort of change that matters in the world, right? right? And if anything, that that fact has been uh, – that suspicion has been borne out over the last couple of years, right? Uh, so so, so certain, a certain type of person is primed – uh, for the correction, right? They're sort of waiting for it and they're sort of hoping for it because it would be more confirmation for their side, for their priors, for the things that they believe about the world. So when a documentary comes out that says, actually, George Floyd wasn't killed uh, by Derek Chauvin. Instead, uh, this was just an overreaction and he was human sacrificed to go to prison in Arizona or New Mexico, or wherever the fuck he ended up to get shanked uh, by that guy just a few months ago, and, and that, that a grave injustice has been carried out, you're going to be, if you're predisposed to think of the world of a certain kind of way, you're going to latch on to that, right? right? And so it takes, then further, it's going to take, like I said, a sort of keen awareness of your own tribal instinct to be able to see the facts as they actually are. It's not always the case that simply laying out the truth for people is enough to convince them of, of the reality of the world. I'm just talking so much here. Uh, so much. I'm happy to pause for, for, for feedback or for reaction, but I, I just the thing that I'm the thing that I'm driving at here is that the there's a there's a link between Facebook trying to control for misinformation on its platform and Elon Musk tweeting willy-nilly about uh, great white replacement theory and uh, a documentary that comes out that tells ridiculous lies about the world, uh, specifically about the George Floyd murder. In the same way that in 2000, late 2004, summer 2004, the Michael Moore movie comes out. And the explicit aim of the Michael Moore movie was to prevent the reelection of George W. Bush right. and instead to get John Kerry elected. And so he played fast and loose with things in a way that don't stand up to historical scrutiny, right? Like he was willing to make certain insinuations about the Bush administration's complicity in 9-11 as if he let it happen to give him the opportunity to go to war in the Middle right. East. Uh, which which simply doesn't hold up to uh, 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 serious scrutiny. So there's nothing new under the sun in in th to that extent, right? Like we've always had these disinformation campaigns, uh, these propaganda campaigns that attempt to advance what plenty of people would say. Uh, our noble ends, right? Just go to the pandemic. Uh, uh, Tony Fauci acknowledges that he told noble, what he views as noble lies in the service of public health, where at the beginning of the pandemic, he said, ah, you don't want to wear masks anyway, because he believed he was saving the good masks for the uh, first responders and for the nurses and the doctors who needed them most, right. uh, despite the fact that he believed that they might actually do some good. This oversight board that wants to come in and say, in the service of the public good, it is important that uh, this platform, Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp, 
uh, label misinformation as such. And uh, in a bid to secure the good working order of uh, democracy and future elections and to make sure that people's rights are secured in terms of their ability to vote and in terms of their ability to participate in, in, a, in the good civic life, which is the sort of language that was in this report from the Oversight Board. That Meta has to take certain steps to assure that, and I would my first my primary question is, if my right to the vote or to participate in a good civic life is contingent on whether or not I see a certain meme on Facebook, then what in the world is the value of that right in the first place? Right? right? What does it What does it mean to have a right if it is so uh, precariously contingent upon the idea? That I might see a stray meme on Facebook that that fundamentally changes the way I see the world, right? Uh, we're in big fucking trouble right, right. if that's what our our human rights are reliant upon. Uh, but but even putting that aside, this notion that these companies that, that that the media is going to figure out a way to determine the truth of the world such that the people will accept it is it just it's just not the way anything works. It's never been the way it works. And this is something – and the, the whole um, – I apologize for recapitulating a 20-minute essay that I just did in the morning press uh, uh, and doing but it you off – you don't really And doing it the off apology. the cuff. Even worse, I'm doing it without actually looking at it, which means I'm probably butchering the thing. But ultimately, it, it – there's the, there's this weird lie that I think that – or not a lie as much as it is just just a myth – that truth proceeds from the media and it and the people sort of receive it i don't think that's ever it's never been the way right like even in the good old days with R- walter cronkite and the big 3 and you just get your news on television and then you get it from the local newspaper right they weren't delivering the truth and then the people just accepted that right. as the story I don't think that's ever been the case. People didn't necessarily believe it just because it was on television. Bright Eyes song lyric, there is no truth, there is only you and what you make the truth. The truth always comes from the people. And the media, especially now, the thing that, that's exploded, this myth should have died with the end of mass institutional media in the way that we understood it to exist 30 years ago. Uh, the cable news revolution followed by the internet news revolution the information age, uh, we can drop news from it because news is news. News no longer is is the word that we should be using, probably. But uh, the markets were freed to create a a response to the people's demand for information, uh, and the result is what we see before us. Right, the the truth springs from the individual people and the market simply fills the the void it fills the need that they have to have their truths spoken back to them right this isn't tucker carlson's fault it's not even elon musk's fault it's not facebook it's not the big 3 news networks it's not cable news they are simply uh, the vessels of the voices of the people who demand to have their own bullshit fed back to them right. and that's that's what's happened here. And I don't know how the fuck you control for it because you go and you look at what like ostensibly bright people like uh, Elon Musk who say what you will about him. He must be at least a little bit bright, right? Like I know he's a dumb motherfucker, but he must be he, – he, he couldn't have possibly gotten to the point – this is not to say that success equals intelligence. Right, right. But like – he can fucking tie his shoes, yes. right? Like, but you you read his goddamn tweets the last couple of weeks, and it's like, how does this guy function in the world?
world with the the way that he sees the world. Brett Weinstein, who's a a, a former, he's a genetics biology uh, PhD, who's become a a culture war icon on the on the sort of right-ish side, the intellectual dark web thing. He completely lost his mind with COVID. He's talking about these conspiracies as though they're absolutely certain, uh, like literal puppet masters being in control of the world right. and organizing everything about the way that the world works. These are ostensibly intelligent and otherwise uh, seemingly uh, uh, bright people who can who can make themselves breakfast and get out of bed in the morning and all the rest. Uh, and they've completely lost their goddamn minds. And I don't know... Like, but the hope is that it just represents this tiny slice of extremely online people who who have completely lost all perspective. But I don't know. I, I and I don't know what the uh, the oversight board is. The oversight board at Facebook. If I can finally end in a question here, is the <laughs> is is a thing like an oversight board at Facebook just uh, bailing water uh, with, a, with a Dixie cup as the, as the entire thing sinks, right? Like, what is, what is the thing that they're trying to accomplish by trying to make these platforms uh, less full of disinformation as, as even something like Facebook becomes less uh, impactful in terms of the, the influence that they have on a, a person's life because people just don't fuck with Facebook in that way anymore, right? Yeah. Like, if you make Facebook an unacceptable place for the sort of uh, manipulated media that they were happy to send around in 2014 and 2015 and 2016, then it will go somewhere else, right? You need not go any further than TikTok to get uh, an insane array of conspiracy theory presented as absolute fact by people who are just talking uh, directly to camera, right? right? They're just making shit up. Right. It's completely made up. But the fact that it's not there on Facebook doesn't change the fact that 50 million people are getting on TikTok and finding it there. And it doesn't change the fact that uh, somewhere else people are going to be getting this misinformation and, and these lies because they're just seeking out confirmation of the thing that they already right. believe. So what is the point of even trying to control for it? I don't know. So the the obvious answer is, is, is so that these companies can have something to point to, right? Basically, ultimately, they want an answer to the inevitable questions like, hey, what the fuck are you doing about this problem? They want to say, oh, thanks, Senator. We're doing this. So, like, we have this review board that sounds like, oh, there's a process in place, and uh, we'll, we'll suss it all out, and we'll figure out all the problems. It's, it's just for that purpose, because in reality, it is outside their control. They can't, I mean, if they just came out and said, like, if somebody's seeking this content, the internet is not built in a way to where we can prevent that from happening, right? Like, if you are seeking something that confirms something you already believe or you want to believe, you'll, you'll find it. I mean, it may not be on Facebook. It'll be somewhere else uh, or TikTok or what have you. So, like, if somebody's seeking out this content or they're sharing it or they're spreading it, it's hard to stop that because it's coming from so many different outlets. So they're not they, – they know that they can't a- answer for that. So they'll just do the next best thing to say that they're doing something. That's literally all it is because it just – you can move on to the next question. It's almost like these uh, Sunday morning shows 
where they'll you know ask a politician or somebody from like the defense department like a very specific question and they'll just give some bullshit like clearly bullshit answer just so they can move on to the next thing like it didn't answer the question directly but the other the moderator is like i don't got time to spend all day on this and they just move on like it's just unless unless the moderator is Kristen welker <laughs> in which, in which she case, will not move on <laughs> I swear, if she wasn't, uh, if she wasn't, uh, I think I'm doing a reverse racism here, yeah. where I'm giving her a pass that I otherwise would pass? not. This is a pass, yeah. Because I, I want to, we would already have a segment starting with her second week on the show. Oh, I see. Uh, the the Kristen Welker uh, trying to find uh, Will Ferrell's Mustafa from Austin Powers Two out there in the world of politicians like, because she does this thing she asks the question uh, senator are you running for president and uh, this is not a valid question this time this is just an example uh. senator are you running for president well you know i'm very happy with my job here and uh, we uh, yeah i haven't opened an exploratory committee or anything like that but you never know what the future might hold but for now i'm committed to serving the people of yeah. uh, fuck office stan you understand uh, Kristen? and yeah. Kristen says but just to be clear <laughs> senator are you running for president? And then they, they do the whole uh, fuck off a stand routine again. Right. And then uh, she's like, okay, but uh, uh, just I just want to put a, a fine point, put a, a final nail in this. Are you going to run for president? It's like, well, you've asked me three times now, Kristen. I would like to break some news. I am, in fact, running for president. I'd like to announce it here today. Like, no, Wait, man. Never, it's, it's never, never going to happen, Kristen. <laughs> She's not alone in the, those, those uh, weird habits. I don't no, know why I'm defending No, but she is the Kristen worst. Anyway. It's like she's never watched news. If they never put Strassman back to work, as he's been off now two weeks here already, in the last couple of weeks, uh, maybe maybe I'll come up with a, a Kristen Welker segment to fill in when <laughs> Strassman's not around. Speaking of which, it's 10 o'clock. All right. Abe, do you, I, I talked for a long time there. You appeared to be taking some notes. Maybe it was just, man, he won't shut up. But do you have well, anything he, else he, you want to say about what I was saying? I do think, like, you know, like, uh, a lot of times, you know, when, when people criticize the news or media, it's always going to be the scapegoat. Because, like you, you explained, it's not like how it was back then, uh, where there were just so few outlets where a lot of people are consuming the same news. Like, now, you can seek it out. You can follow some random person online and, and just listen to them regurgitate whatever. But like, I think everything starts with the story. People are, they have a story in their head about how things are. Like in many ways, people shape their world around a story. And that's why like, if you believe a story, then anything that goes against that, you'll dismiss. And then anything that kind of fits it, you'll accept, like almost like willingly accept. And and that that's how I kind of see how somebody would be willing to accept this documentary. Like if your story is that they're bullshitting about what happened, whatever, and somebody's like, hey, they were bullshitting about that thing, it's going to bypass any sort of logic. It's just going to be like, yes, this is exactly what I've always thought it was going to be. Even though it's like crazy, it doesn't make any sense, it doesn't uh, withstand any sort of scrutiny, you will accept it just like you were saying earlier on the other side, like if you told them like 500,000 black people are getting murdered each year, like if it fits a story, like, oh yeah, they're killing black people left and right. Maybe not 500,000, but like over 100,000, like some ridiculous number. Like it's so out of, you know, whatever the actual number is because it fits the story. So it's like the story comes first. And in that way, I can kind of see how these people uh, like the dweebs, the intellectual dark web people, um, they're 
they're fighting over the story people are going to accept, right? So, like, th- this is the story. So, like, it's a clash of stories, and they're using these examples to support the story that they're trying to push. So it seems like right. it's like a story first, everything else second kind of Right, uh, and the, the advantage of, of having the pre-established narrative is that you don't actually have to seek anything out, right? right. Most, people, most people aren't in the business – of seeking things out they're just they're like uh they're like those big whales that are filter feeders right that they everything just comes in and the only thing that sticks is the thing that confirms the thing that they were thinking in the first place it's not necessarily that people are going out and trying to construct a reality that conforms to a a pre-established worldview it's just the way that the brain works when my son hears something that his mother says 50 fucking times he it just doesn't register and then i say it and he's like up off of the couch in like 10 seconds and he's doing it right away automatic silence of female voices built into it's genetic Right. That's uh, his. That's his inheritance. That's all I had for him. It's his birthright. Uh, but but uh, the the point is like it, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily make you bad. It doesn't necessarily make you that you're you're going out and actively doing the wrong thing. It's just sort of an, the natural way that we interpret the reality of the world around us. I think and and it takes. And it, now it feels like I'm I'm blowing smoke up um, my own ass and yours probably, but like it takes a certain keen awareness of the thing that you're naturally inclined to be looking for to avoid falling falling into the sort of uh, uh, a hole that I think McCorder fell into it when he watched even that be documentary. Keen awareness, just awareness, yeah. right? But it, it is the like the story or the narrative or however you want to phrase it, like it's basically prejudice, right? You, you're prejudiced. It's bias. And bias. And, and like just be mindful of your own bias, of your own prejudice, because it's going to steer you in the wrong direction, right? Like if you're like, man, I'm consuming a lot of this like negative stuff and it's just the same. It's because it's like you're just kind of seeking this content. Like you think that, oh, I'm just clicking buttons, but like you're seeking out this content however unknowingly uh or at least consciously all right uh well if you uh, enjoyed that conversation you uh probably uh don't need to go listen to the morning press uh (laughs) that dropped this evening but uh if you are annoyed now that you listened to the morning press already and now had to set sit through the last hour of that conversation i do apologize but I don't know. I don't. It, I can only talk about the things that interest me. Otherwise, what are we doing here? Uh, real quick, let's do uh, Super Bowl predictions, Abe. Right. Wait, wait. I have something more important. Uh oh. Is Lil John going to be there? That is part of the Super Bowl predictions, Lori. Okay. Uh, it's the first, most important. First the game, and then the halftime show. Uh, we've got. Is it still a point and a half for point San Francisco? Point and a half for the Niners. Yep. All right. So San Francisco is the favored team. Uh, what do you think happens here? We've got uh, the Chiefs and uh, and Patrick Mahomes on one end and Brock Purdy and the San Mr. Francisco Irrelevant. 49ers on the other. When, when you put it that way, it is hard to pick against the Chiefs, I would think. Uh, but go ahead. What do, you, what do you got? So this will be the third consecutive game where the Mahomes-led Chiefs are underdogs. They were underdogs. Mm against Buffalo, against Baltimore, and now against the Niners, right? And it's like, I'm trying to figure out, okay, I understand that, you know, the, those games were at on the road, and, and Mahomes didn't play on the road a lot. 
Uh, but now it's like, okay, th- this is not the same Kansas City team as like the middle of the year where they were like kind of mediocre. This is with a defense that uh, was good in the regular season and has been great in the playoffs, giving up uh, like 17 points a game or something like that. Right. So a, a, a much basically kind of like a like a they're great at the right time kind of thing, like a, they're peaking at the right time. This defense, and then the 49ers were down against the Packers, and they came had to mount to come back. They were down big against the Lions. So like, I mean, if they start slow again against Mahomes, to me, this seems like what am I missing? Why like this Kansas City team is solid. The 49ers were showing signs of weakness, and yet it's San Francisco that has the lead. I guess I'll just go with what the people say. I'll go with San Francisco, right? I mean, even though, like, <laughs> it makes no sense, right? Like, there's no argument for, but maybe I'm wrong. I'm going to go with the 49ers. All right. I've got the Chiefs for sure. I'm going to, and I'll put my money where my mouth is before the game. No doubt about that. I just don't see how, when you see just the top line, it's Patrick Mahomes. And the Chiefs with Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey. And, and Taylor Swift. Yeah, and the best quarterback. The 12th man. The best quarterback in football uh, over the last few years against whatever you want to, however much fun it is to root for a guy like Brock Purdy, which I understand. He's uh, the last pick in the draft. He's he's proven to be perfectly capable uh, quarterback at this level. Uh, Shanahan seems like an obviously very capable coach. I just don't see how you can bet against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in this spot. ESPN Analytics has it a 60-40 split 49ers. To, like, again, like, it doesn't mean, what is it? I mean, I've been watching all these games. I don't know, but, but that's what we had with Alabama and the other one, Michigan. Oh, with like yeah. a 60-40 kind of? Yeah, and yeah, and all the and and Alabama was the underdog, and I was convinced that everybody was crazy that I didn't know what games they had been watching. So maybe maybe we're in for the same sort of situation. So that, uh, there you go. Usher is the halftime artist. Okay. None of the surprise guests, as far as I know, have been announced yet. What? We were looking at Usher's YouTube this weekend because it's hard. We weren't doing it enough. I think it, we, it was plenty actually. Okay. Um, <laughs> But you go to Usher's YouTube and you pull up his most played songs over the course of the last, his whole career. And he's one of these artists who always, I mean, this goes for a lot of uh, uh, hip hop and R&B guys anyway. But like they always have buddies. this song featuring these one or two or right. three other guys, right? Yeah. So the most played Usher song on YouTube is Yeah. Uh, yeah! featuring Lil Jon and Ludacris. So here's an important question. What? Will he play yeah at the Super Bowl? What? I don't see how... Yeah. It, w- it would be a crime against decency and humanity Abe. if yeah! Usher did not play yeah at the Super Bowl. He, Abe. he has so few songs Abe. that are fun and awesome. Usher has like two You've fun and awesome songs. Abe, so will Usher... Play, yeah. What makes you think that Abe has any more of a handle? I just on want to hear someone's voice besides yours. Usher playlist. So you I and I've talked I've about never, this already. 
I've never heard of covers.com, but uh, they're doing uh, like the uh, prop bets for the, the halftime yeah. show. And yeah. Oh, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. What, yeah. what have we got? Is minus 100,000. Yeah. Which okay. I've never <laughs> seen before. Okay. Okay. That is as okay. firm a Perfect. lock as can be imagined. An asteroid probably has worse odds, right? I mean, like. That's right. <laughs> okay. Wait. So if, yeah. No, shut the fuck up, Bob. Turn down for what? Ken Usher play Yeah. Without Little John. Oh, what? I see what you Okay. I see. Mm-hmm. Building mm-hmm. a story. Can that he? is true. Yeah, no, he yeah. cannot. So that's true. Yeah. So then that, that's a lock then, so? right? So that's a lock. <laughs> yeah. Presumably he could do it without Ludacris. Ludacris will be there as well, right? Like because if Little yeah. John is gonna be there with yeah, why wouldn't and he's ludicrous has showed up in the fucking state farm commercials? How you like me now? Uh, the second most popular because uh, that one's got 898 million views on uh, on YouTube. Does does yeah? Uh, at 380 million views is Usher. DJ got us fallen in love featuring Pitbull. Is Pitbull also going to make an appearance on the Super Bowl stage? Bada bing, bada boom, Mr. Worldwide, as I step in the room. You know, I think so. I think I, I think he'll have at least like four or five people. Like, I mean, what is it like 12, 12 minute halftime special? He'll he'll have a bunch. Other people that have featured in Usher's most popular songs includes Alicia Keys on My Boo. The only thing that matters is a little John. <laughs> young, it's the only thing that matters. Young period. Thug. Young is, is Young Thug in prison or like in trouble? What? One of the thugs is. I don't know. One if of it's the young. thugs is in prison. Uh, young Jeezy and Will yes, I Am. Yes, Young Thug is in prison. Okay. Uh, Will I Am is a, is one of Usher's collaborators and also Alicia Keys. I don't think we're gonna get Will I Am up there on stage, but I would. I would put money on Little John Ludacris, uh, maybe Pitbull, and because there's got to be there's got to be some women, right? Like he's got to, so so maybe Alicia Keys as well. Yeah, that sounds about right. Ooh, Rick Ross has also collaborated with uh, with Usher in the past. It would be sort of a crazy flex if he didn't play. Yeah, right. Like what? Uh, <laughs> he'd really be laying it down. Do you think, I mean, you know, the, the producers of these uh, Super Bowls, you know, they switch around the networks, but like mm-hmm. there, there must be a time where like you have to play that once. I mean, the reason why you're doing this Super Bowl thing is because of that one song, like 100% lock. There's no scenario where he does not play that. That's what I'm saying. So, and, and therefore, Lil Jon has to yeah. be there. Unless there's a and scheduling therefore, conflict. therefore, it will be great. Lori tried to create a whole flow chart. Uh, proving the inevitability no, of no, 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 no. Little John showing up at the... I can visualize it, and I did not try. Right. I did not try. Like, you know those decision charts where it's like, uh, if yes, then go here, yeah. and if no, then go here? <laughs> and she tried to build the flow I chart. I didn't try. Stop saying I tried. You're implying I failed. I Su- just didn't do. Such that it ended at the inevitability of Little John being at the Super Bowl. which right. With the, yeah. I'm fine with <laughs> We're going to billboard now? We are going to billboard now. I've already rolled the dice. It's time for the Billboard Hot 100 game in which we will prove the degradation of the culture using the Billboard Hot 100 chart. We will roll the dice to choose a song on this week's Billboard Hot 100 and then compare it to the song in that same position for the same week of a randomly selected year between January 1983 and July 2012. Why? Because July 21st, 2012 marks the last time that party rockers LMFAO appeared on the Billboard Hot 100. That 
was the end of the run for party rock anthem and arguably anything remotely memorable in the world of pop music. I got uh, doubles here. I've rolled doubles with my 100-sided die and my 30-sided die. The number is 20. So we're going Whoa. to... Oh, well, this I is believe actually some good songs. That's you know. the highest we've ever been on the Billboard Hot 100 in this game, if memory serves. I think you're uh, right. Our previous high on 24? the chart was number 28, which was in 28? week two. Or no, 25, excuse me, in uh, back in December. So we'll be at the highest point. My dad uh, suggested he uh, pops emailed the the show email inbox and said, first of all, love your idea of including uh, my time in the Billboard Hot 100 game. So uh, uh, consider doing that. Uh, but also the inevitability of that is that uh, this should actually ultimately be a fight between the 90s and the 60s, which are the only two decades of good music. Uh, it's what my dad said. Hey. Oh. Might not be wrong. He's not entirely wrong anyway. Uh, it's certainly an argument to be made. All right. Let's find the Billboard Hot 100 for this week. We will be going to year uh, 2002, which we have actually visited in the past. So Yeah, it's a dangerous year. It's like a nickelback year. All right. But uh, this week we are still looking at uh, uh, Lovin' On Me by Jack Harlow in the number one spot. We are scrolling down to number 20, which gets us to La Diabla is the name of the song. The artist is X-A-V-I, Zavi, Zavi, Xavi. We are very cool. Abe, do you know how to pronounce (laughs) X-A-V-I? No, I know. I think you uh, made some good guesses there. It's got to be one of those. Zavi, Javi. There's no way that's a H, a J for the X. That would be way too confusing. A little bit of that uh, Hispanic flair here. This is that top 20 song, like right now? Yep. I've never heard of this. An extended intro here. Anybody tell you that the times are not changing? That uh, that is the that is the totality of my commentary. We're gonna leave it right there. I'll say it again. I'd rather listen to that at work than a lot of the other stuff that is in English. Yeah, sure. I it. Was not at all deeply offensive to me in any way. I, it was just lovely. It also, if you think that it's going to, any of that melody or anything is going to stick in my head, I think you're a crazy person, uh, but whatever. Going back to the Hot 100 for the week of... This should be an easy win, right, for 2002? 
Yeah, but ugh. starting a, a February third through the ninth of February two thousand two, I have good news already because uh, a timely number one for that week was Usher with <laughs> there you go with you got it bad, uh, which had been at number one already for five weeks. That one doesn't ring a bell for me. Should no. I? Play a quick clip of that. Yeah, Nickelback number Look two. At Look at me, no one shit. Number two, create a number four. What a what a week. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. This is a dangerous, <laughs> dangerous year. This is the usher. This is not what we're up against. I'm just trying to remind myself. Baby, it's not your this thing. Is just. Bad R&B. I don't understand. I don't know why that song becomes number one for a month relative to all of the other songs that sound exactly like it, more or less, but whatever. Because it was Usher. Sure. 2002, yeah. Creed there. Linkin Park at number five. I Pink told at you, six. it's dangerous. Alicia Keys at seven. Uh, no Doubt in the top ten. J-Lo in the top ten. Shakira, Mary J. Blige, Brandy. Ooh. Michael Jackson, a late Michael oh, wow. Jackson entry around? in the number 15. Uh, oh, man. Ludicrous rollout at number yep. 17 would have been a uh, slam dunk here. All right. Number 20. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's, it's called Caramel by an outfit named City High featuring Eve. And look, I can't say that I've ever heard of that before. Look at that. This has been in the... Uh, Weeks on chart 18, peak 18, last week 18. It's crazy. It's, it's been on, on the chart for that long. I've never heard of this group or this song. It looks like it might be it's some R&B. sort of an R&B thing, yeah. Eve is an R&B person. Oh, Eve. Eve with the little paw prints on her uh, her, her paw oh, breast so tattoos. Is that Eve? Kim. City High, then. That's little Kim. Is that little Kim? I thought Eve had the little paw print uh, breast tattoos. I think you're right. We're going to go with uh, Bob and Abe on paw print breast tattoos or trust Lori's judgment. I'm checking. What does Google say? (laughs) If there's anything that I am certain of, it is the sort of tattoo that was on this woman's breast in 2002. You you rest assured. No, you're right. Of course I'm fucking right. All right, here is... uh, Lil' Kim had the boobs. City High featuring Eve, Carolyn. Shout and remix gone out of style in the way that it was once obligatory to, to shout remix when a remix was happening. I keep on mesmerized. Listen to me closely. EVE is how a thorough bit's supposed to be. Hate the thirsty type, can't even get close to me. That's why I got my own stack, daddy. How it's supposed to be. I ain't about the game playing and gift chasing. All that front and daddy, please be both big facing. All the things I want, I got. Forget me not just from my stance. Why you staring at me? Got you hot. Not too many is like a one of a kind. I mean, even the position like us, she just a dime. Not impressed by your crisp popping. Cause if you what I like into the night, we gon' be lip locking. But only if I choose to. I don't fall in love easily. Give you the blues, boo. I had you sitting round misty eye. Caramel, get them all the time. Hot is the city. I think I've heard this song. But it's very... It's weird how it just kind of came and went. 
Is this before she got the uh, paw print tattoos on her breasts? Or are they just not revealed in this video? Can we get a wiki timeline on Eve's paw print breast tattoos, please? Yeah, they're there. Ro- Robit, can you please? <laughs> All right. I let that play for a long time, uh, hoping that something memorable would happen. The, the most replayed part of that video is very clearly Eve's uh, drop-in verse there. At the end, I find that to be a largely unremarkable yeah, I'm, R&B I'm hip-hop bored. song. Yeah. I, I think uh, in the way that I believe Abe has uh, uh, defaulted to the English language in the past because of his, his racism uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and uh, American chauvinism. Yes. Uh, I think I am also going to uh, assume that my needle points slightly towards uh, 2002. Uh, yeah. any, any disagreements here? No, I'm going with 2002 also. Although it shouldn't have been that close, like because uh, uh, whatever could have been Nickelback. What was it, Javi or Zavi or whatever the? Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll maybe listen to some other tracks, but that one wasn't very impressive. I don't know what he was saying, uh, but yeah, 2002 for me. Lori. I don't know, but I don't need to weigh in. That's true. Guys... We don't need a tiebreaker. So it doesn't matter, and we missed out on. My favorite Outcast song. What a goddamn shame! At number twenty-five, which song was "The Whole World"? Outcast featuring That's Killer your Mike. Favorite? I think if I had to pick a single favorite wow. Outcast song, I would go with "The Whole World," oh. just because. That's wrong. If I'm if I have to pick one out of because there are probably five to ten that are like all my favorite Outcast songs, but if if I had to pick one, I think that that. The video combined with the, the the melody and the chorus of that song is just so fucking wonderful. I'm gonna uh, go listen to Bombs Over Baghdad instead of what I you're know say. that one is also a perfect song, but now I gotta listen to a little whole. Take a little strip, hater, pack up your mind. Look for what not behind, then you see what you find. I called a sucker dying because he thought it could rhyme. And if his mama is a quarter daughter, must be a dime. I got a meter. Don't take no shots, I don't use a reaver. Asian, I don't even play the radio neither. Only if I need to know the sports or the weather. I'm a cool type of brother, but yep, your head I suffer from the neck. See, ain't nothing changed. Hit the stage. Set a date, sucker. In battle, we can't engage. I'll slice you, wipe you, marry you, divorce you, throw the Porsche at you. It's what I'm forced to do with my back against the wall. Crack his back, y'all. No, it ain't went nowhere like heaven had with style and jail in it. Throw a curl. In it. Dread that nappy up, throw a shell in it. Whatever floats your boat, I find your lost remote. And this is for them that's working at the airport who got laid off. I take my shades off. If you look straight in my eyes, you still might see your disguise. Because the whole, whole, whole world, world, world. loves it when you listened to song my freshman year in college i used to watch this video all the time i mean it's lovely it's such a great song but it's not a shot of adrenaline it is when uh when big boy comes in here in the next verse and killer mike has an excellent verse on this song what this is just true am i not allowed to say it's not a shot of adrenaline you're right it is not directly a in the way that their other songs it's can be. It's not a, like, Pulp Fiction-style shot of adrenaline straight to your heart the way Bombs Over Baghdad is. Yeah, it's from National Underground, Thunderbounds, and I stop the ground. Like a million elephants, a silverback, a tank, you can't stop a train. I know, but I had, I had Dre's verse here entirely memorized, including the bad words that I'm not allowed to say. 
Uh, Killer Mike got his butt arrested at the uh, Grammys yeah, last night. Yeah, what was night. that Did about? You see that? He, uh... I don't know. They haven't they haven't explained. I think he got into some sort of altercation with uh, with somebody else there at the show or before his the show or something. His name is Killer Mike, so. <laughs> he was also on the Bill Maher program on HBO That's this weekend. I did catch it. Yeah, he's uh, sweats a lot. He was a very sweaty man <laughs> during that interview. I like Killer Mike, but fucking don't wear the heavy clothes out there, man. It is hot on a TV set. Oh, break your neck at number 26. Buster Rhymes. This sucks. We were so close to some great songs, and instead we got stuck with uh, Eve. But whatever. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show at Substack, brainiron.substack.com, where you can join our ever-growing so far uh, roster of paying subscribers, uh, every single one of whom we are uh, immensely grateful for. Uh, Brainiron.substack.com. You'll get immediate The Morning Press to your inbox, whether that happens to be uh, you know, in the morning or not until uh, like 8.30 at night, potentially, as it turns out. Uh, go check that out. The opening and closing themes of our show were composed by Mark Gillig. Tetramermusic.com, T-E-T-R-A-M-E-R music.com. Abe, did you make it to the movies this week? I did. I actually went to two movies this past weekend. Oh, my. You know? I didn't think that. I just perused the box office mojo, and I didn't see necessarily that anything was was the, coming the out. The two movies, with, one oh, was uh, the, the box office bomb, Argyle. Like, a, a, yeah. I don't understand how Apple and these uh, other companies are spending two hundred million dollars on these movies that don't look like it costs two hundred million. You know, it's like, yeah, there's a few like car chase scenes and a few like CGI things, but it didn't. Didn't read two hundred million when you're well, watching it. It's like Jay Powell said, Abe. Things don't get cheaper as time goes <laughs> on. Like uh, TVs do. TVs are, uh, are are actually an example of something that did for a very long time get cheaper and then bottomed out, and now will only get more expensive again moving well, forward. Well, we better buy more now. <laughs> That's then not how that works. Uh, so Argyle was no good. So. Yeah, so Argyle was not only no good, it was like one of the worst movies I've seen in a while. Like, it was like trying to be clever. Like, so, okay, so if you haven't. Can I first, can I first ask something yeah. uh, that is almost certainly slightly misogynistic? Yes. Uh, did they fat up Bryce Dallas Howard? Because based on a preview I saw, it seemed like she was bigger than I had uh, would have expected her to be. Based on just the preview that I saw, and I don't want to uh, body shame or what have you, is the character that she plays in that movie less attractive than a Bryce Dallas Howard type <laughs> from five years ago? Bryce Dallas Howard was great in the. Uh, there's no knock on her. Uh, she, I, I guess, uh, yeah, she's a little heavier than in in, in movies past. Uh, was you think that this was for the character, or no, do we think no? Because okay, so the what book, are you saying, Abe? That Bryce Dallas Howard's getting fat? Is that your implication here? How dare you? <laughs> now that you mention it, maybe she's a little slightly heavier than I recall, but the, didn't jump out at me. You're the one that brought it up. How dare you? Uh, <laughs> that was I gotta say that was expertly done by me. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, so this is a movie that's too long and it's like very convoluted. So the the way that it's set up is that. Bryce Dallas Howard's uh, character. She's a writer. She writes like a very popular spy thriller novels. Like, and the main character is Argyle. 
And that's the the hook. The story is like it starts with like a scene that turns out it's like from the book, right? So like it starts in actual in the real in in, in the book, and then it, you know she's like right. at some press. So they couldn't drunken. just they couldn't just adapt the the book that this is about. They had to do a, a adaptation style adaptation where it's uh it's a meta commentary on the creation of the thing, right? But 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 okay. So <laughs> this is where it gets stupid. Argyle is a made-up character, or so everyone thinks, but it turns out, like, later in the movie, that Bryce Dallas Howard is a real-life spy who has a very convenient amnesia, like, where she... And then when she's writing these, uh, she's inspired by real events, but she just doesn't know it. And so in the movie, like, the evildoers are seeking her out for her next upcoming book because everything she's saying is based on some real world thing. So she has information that they want. And Brian Cranston, who, by the way, anytime I see him on a movie now, I just think this is going to be a piece of shit. Like, I don't know who his agent is, but Brian Cranston has been some clunkers over the last, you know, since Breaking Bad, like just these uh, ensemble type of movies where it's just like, Oh, here he is being whatever. Like yeah, he Godzilla. hasn't chosen well. In part, I think he's got a very high opinion of the sorts of projects, or at least not this one, obviously, perhaps uh, notwithstanding. But it seems like he was convinced that he was like an actor. Like, I, you know, he did. I loved him in Breaking Bad. He yeah. is an actor. He's great in that, yeah. But he's not. He's we're, You're not Sean fucking Penn here, man. You're Malcolm's dad from Malcolm in the Middle. You're a but crazy... Goofy meth cook who ran around in your tidy whities Like, you're a great actor, but you're not a fucking actor, you know? You're but, Brian but Cranston. All, all of the, the, the failings, it wasn't because he was trying to be an actor. He, just like the movie selections are just like, oh, this is a, not a very good right. movie. Like, and, and I think, what, Sam Rackwell? Uh, there's like a bunch of people that are in this movie that are like otherwise good, but in this movie it didn't make any sense. Uh, anyways, the movie... Like the thing that I just said, where like it actually turns out that Bryce Dallas Howard is the spy, and then there's like some scenes where she's like beating people up, which is kind of amusing. Uh, she's supposed to be like a world like top, like she's like the best. Uh, right. She's she's Jason Bourne, and she had yeah. forgotten that she's Jason Bourne. <laughs> right. Yeah. And her family, like her entire, the whole thing doesn't make sense. The more you think about, so the 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 two movies that I saw, one was Argyle, wasn't very good, and the more that I think about it, the worse it gets. And the other movie that I saw was didn't Azo- some uh, didn't didn't some Marky Mark movie just came out with a very similar premise where he was a he was a washed like out family man or family plan or something? Yeah, it was another was that like Apple, a streaming only thing. I don't it was think another I, I didn't Apple see it in TV the one, I think, and that was uh, that was like he's a former right, but Z- I don't think that was a. Uh, in the movie thing. It was just no, like no, a streaming. No, right. Yeah. Right, right. Sorry, go ahead. The other movie was Zone of Interest. Ah, and, and this is a this is a big time Oscar bait kind of movie about right. uh, like a Holocaust neighbors or something, right? Yeah, it's a much better movie than uh and, and at first you're like, okay, this is kind of a one note kind of thing you're thinking cuz like the way the story plays out is that it opens like in a very like scenic like picnic and like this family's eating and they're like just roughhousing with the kids and everything is fine and they move into their house and the home is like right next to the concentration camp like this is like germany and the the father of that family is like the head guy of that concentration camp so you can hear so throughout the whole movie you don't see like most uh holocaust movies they show people getting you know 
killed, right? Right. But this one, you don't see that. You just hear that the whole time. Like in basically, like in the foreground, it's like the family and they're talking about some like bullshit a, family we're stuff. We're just having like a, a sitcom uh, family drama over on one end, and then so, the neighbors are getting holocausted on the other side of the right, wall. Right. So basically, so what we're talking about, just like just like career advancement like he's kind of getting word that he may be reassigned somewhere else because he's like raping some of the people women and i guess that's a problem like it's weird like the moral system that the 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 nazis had but basically like he was behaving poorly and so he was worried that he's going to be shifted off somewhere else because now the family they love this house it's great even though literally they're right next yeah. to the concentration camp. They can hear can't, everything. Can't beat the location. Right. <laughs> and, like, you know, the kids are, like, swimming, like, at the body of water that's nearby. And, like, it's, like, the remains are coming at them. Like, yeah. and they're, it's just, the whole yeah. thing is just, like, the, the, the movie is basically, like, they're trying to pretend the bad thing isn't happening. Uh, and trying to live, like, this very... Uh, uh, sanitized kind of life like the 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 wife's mother shows up and she, she's like being shown around and she gets freaked out because at night she wakes up and she you can hear just the screams and the crying and i guess the rest of the family is used to this but like she was like what the fuck this is weird and she just fucks off she she leaves a note and she leaves uh but anyways throughout the whole movie Things that you would not notice, like just sounds constantly, like it doesn't matter what they're saying. What you're hearing in the background is like, oh, they're being gassed. They're this. They're, there's always something happening. And so like the movie kind of plays like nothing's really happening with the main family. But like in the background and like the help that they have come in the house to help. Um, it's a very like it's a well done movie. I mean, if you're if you don't want to see uh a Holocaust movie, I guess that's one thing. But like, I if don't. you're into good movies, it's a good movie, much better than uh, Argyle. Gotcha. And then I watched uh, True Detective Night Country, which has uh, holy shit. Are uh, you coming around finally? <laughs> Abe? <Are> you, uh, <laughs> that episode uh, real quick, four was real quick. Two thousand two. Un- <laughs> this week, two thousand two box office uh, included uh, Collateral Damage. Is that a Michael Mann movie? Is that a is that, uh, Collateral? I remember. I don't remember yeah. Collateral Damage. No, yeah, this was, is a this one is of a them bad with movie. Tom Cruise. After, yeah, that sounds like a shitty movie. After his family is killed by a terrorist act, a firefighter goes in search of the one responsible, and that is an Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. movie, Collateral oh. Damage. No, you can't go wrong with Arnold. Uh, I think you can, and I think it was 2002 <laughs> that you might have been able to. Do that. I, rem- I I used to also believe that you can't go wrong with Arnold. I can and tell you, you could. the exact moment, if I pull up his filmography here, when you could, in fact, go wrong with Arnold. I remember going to go see in theaters, I think by myself, The Sixth Day, which was this weird sci-fi movie in the mold of a lot of late 90s and early 2000s sci-fi movies. And walking out of that movie theater and saying, oh, "I guess you can go wrong with Arnold," uh, <laughs> and not not forcing myself to go see every other Arnold movie after that because they he was, they were no longer that good. All right, uh, True Detective. Uh, Abe, you you giggled uh, when you mentioned that you watched True Detective. We watched episodes three and four last night, so we are fully okay. Good caught up. There are moments in television where i have found myself you get the chills up the back of your neck and the medium transcends itself uh my favorite 
one of my favorite moments in the history of television is when in the second to last episode of Breaking Bad, which and there's a part of me that would have been fine if the world had ended with the second to last episode of Breaking Bad, because the end of that episode where Walt is he's in fucking Vermont or something, right? Like in the mountains, in the snowy mountains there. And he he decides he's going to go and he's going to take off back to Albuquerque. And he goes to that bar and he gets on the phone or whatever and he watches the Charlie Rose program problematic these days we understand we didn't know we i'm sure vince gilligan is very apologetic about uh charlie rose showing up in breaking bad and ultimately decides seemingly in that moment that he's going to go have his revenge in in some big final way in the in the closing moments of the second to last episode of breaking bad for i believe the very first time they play the theme song of the show as part of the soundtrack to Uh the show itself rather than just being having it be a needle drop after the cold open right so of course for years we've now you you watch the show the the there's a cold open or maybe occasionally there's not but there's that unmistakable sound that the breaking bad uh soundtrack makes when the credits begin and there's a moment that at the end of the second to last episode of breaking bad where the soundtrack comes in and it's the theme song for the show and that has the uh, that has the potential to be very corny and very bad yeah. but when well executed I, I i can't speak to this heisenberg that 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 people refer to but whatever whatever he became the the sweet kind brilliant man that we once knew long ago he's gone but to be absolute deployed at just the exact right moment it is perfect and it's almost like uh vince gilligan popping up on your screen and saying you see what he's doing here he's he's breaking bad like it's sort of it's vince gilligan's way of saying of shouting the name of his show at at the right moment right and i, I was know where you're going with this. of that I was reminded of that in this episode four of True Detective Night Country when that fucking the German ghost man at the end of episode four, she's got she Blair Witch. First of all, she Blair Witches him in the corner, right? Like she she, uh, Jodie Foster's character comes upon this ghost man in the corner and he's doing the full Blair Witch where his head is down and his. Like his chin is down in his chest and he's looking down and his face is covered. And at the end of that interaction, which is, by the way, 
just absolutely unforgivably intercut in the edit with something else happening, right? Yes. So like we're getting this, we're getting this partial conversation with this uh, weird ghost German character at the same time that we're getting it intercut with Jodie Foster three stories down in this in this in this rig also now interacting with the other detective lady. And the guy says, we're in the night country now. And I fucking lost it. Like, you can't do that. You can't possibly have actually just said, he's hiding in the night country. We're all in the night country now. He's in the night country. We're all in the night country now. Like, holy shit. And I was immediately reminded of, like, how it can be done in in a transcendent and artistic and impressive way versus what the fuck just happened here. And it was, like, it's if that's not an actual laugh-out-loud moment for you as the viewer, I don't know... Like I'm, you're just consuming this show in a way that I I am utterly incapable of consuming it. The the uh, this fourth episode was uh, I think indefensible. Like there was nothing like it was that was the end of the episode, but throughout the whole thing, it was just like oh my god, what is this? Like even the music that they picked for the the sister who fucked off in the in the in the cold. The sins that this show is committing over and over again, seemingly unaware of the of the sins that they're committing with the needle drops. Like you're saying, like the, the songs are always just right, which means that they're just completely fucking wrong. Right. Right. Yeah. And the, the dialogue is awful. The, everything that's happening is so obvious. Like every, and every character is just, uh, uh, the, the simplest, most obvious version of that character. I don't mean to spoil it for anybody who's watching along, but like the way too good of a guy, I I got a hint for you. He's not going to end up being the good guy. (laughs) He's probably going to end up being, in fact, quite a bad guy. And that's not just the Kavik guy, the guy that she's boning, the the, the restaurant, the the barkeep. Oh, okay. Like that's like, why are you alone? Like basically a, a lot of this stuff is very like, like they keep on har- uh, going over the same thing. Like, why is this guy just by himself? Like, they're kind of doing the same thing with the 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 only one that's actually doing any detective work. The kid, whose wife, like, like the the, the scenes with the wife don't make any sense. It's like it's the same beat, and it's the same beats over and over again in each episode, right? Yeah. Like they all open with the same basic scene of a of a of a shouty, exciting thing happening, right? And then some alleged detective work sort of happens, but not really. They're mostly just like driving around and getting calls to go to the next thing. Like that's the other thing. This show commits over and over again the law and order sin, which is uh, when we used to watch Law and Order a bunch when there was nothing else to fucking do in the world back in two thousand two, and we were watching Law and Order on. TNT or whatever. And like the thing that the detective always happens is that a detective will be interviewing a witness and then the other detective will get a call on his cell phone. And then the, the de- results came back right, from the lab. The lab we gotta go. Or we've got to go do this other thing or whatever. But the plot is always advanced by the B character getting a call on the cell phone while the A character is doing a thing. And that happens like five or six times an episode here. Right. In, in True Detective Night Country. Totally unacceptable. This, as you said, uh, uh, the last time we talked about this show, you said that it was 
seemingly it was adapted from a pre-existing property and then HBO was like uh let's yes and let's make it more true detective-y but this is like a mediocre horror movie that comes out at precisely this time of year right, right. It, it it shows up in theaters in January or February uh that they decided to slap a bunch of true detective shit on top of and then turn it into a six episode miniseries right. when there's like 90 minutes arguably that worth is, of story here. You know, when, when initially they announced that there were only six episodes as opposed to the usual, I don't know what, eight or whatever, however many they had in the past, I was like, oh, wow, they're, they're going to, it's going to be a dense show. Like they're going to, you know, trim all the fat and like, why do we need eight? Let's just get to six and do a solid six. This could barely be a 90-minute feature-length film, right? I mean, like, there's, there's, there's not much there. They're kind of spinning their wheels. and Why I, Why were all of the bodies in the hockey arena? Yeah. Besides, besides to have a set that was cool to have conversations around. Because they need to be defrosted at a certain temperature. No, I know, but, like, what was the what is the point in the story of having the bodies in the hockey arena? It was to get the veterinarian cousin there to say, you know, I don't think these guys froze to death. I think they were dead before they, it's like you needed an expert. You live in in the coldest place in the world (laughs) and you have as a, as police, you have no experience with the freezing to death of human bodies and what that usually looks like. You needed the large animal vet to come from the next town over to explain that to you. True detective. You, (laughs) what, what is going on here? You idiots. Like, this is a bad show. This badly written. The performances are not good, even by actors who I think would otherwise be right. capable because the writing is that bad. Jo- even if Jodie Foster cannot make your words work, then you have failed. This is not Jodie Foster's fault. This is this is your fault, you writers of this show. Uh, not to get into too many specifics here, but the sister, first of all. Uh, episode three sucked so bad that I can't even remember what the fuck happened in episode three. Because we watched three. them back to back. And in part, it's because they, they we watched them back to back, sure. Okay. But uh, uh, episode four starts with a goddamn trigger warning about suicide. Oh, they yeah. put that on the screen. And then you don't even get to watch anyone kill themselves. Did you Did you know that was going to be the, 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 the of sister? Of course it was going to be the sister. I as was soon like, what as about- I... What about the the, the 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 Russian bride that never came? Like, oh, maybe this guy's gonna off himself on this bed. But like, no, that I, guy I, has to <laughs> that guy has to prove himself to be a much worse human being before this is all out, or else his character doesn't matter, right? Like, right. this is a guy. Yeah. Like, there, I mean, whatever. All of the men in this, like, this is such a fucking pile of shit show. But we have all of the men are total worthless sacks of shit. All of the women, uh, it's a show just filled, uh, good for them, I guess. But there's women everywhere, right? They've got binders. I've noticed it's a very segregated show. Binders full of of women. Groups of women and then groups of men. Not a lot of commingling. Uh, but the sister's suicide, which first of all was spoiled by the fact that there was a suicide trigger warning at the beginning of the show. So like fucking spoilers, HBO. What the fuck is your problem? Secondly, what in the world? Who? Show me the person who is sitting down to watch a, a, a alleged prestige TV drama at nine o'clock on a Sunday night who pressed play on their on their remote who said, uh, you know what? 
I don't, I don't think I can handle a show that is dealing with the content of potential self-harm, and instead I'm not going to watch. And I appreciate you warning right. me ahead of time. That person does not exist, and I don't believe you if you say that it does. I guess it's another thing that people like to point to. Like I, I can't imagine that someone has actually used it, but who knows? Uh, but like it's just a thing. Oh, we're being responsible, and maybe that's the whole point of the, the thing. Like we're being responsible. Tell a better story that does not weirdly romanticize suicide, and you don't have to put a suicide note at the start of your – a suicide trigger warning at the start of your thing. What, a, what an incredibly romantic depiction I of, know, right? of that a was suicide. My first thought. <laughs> I thought that was weird how it was presented in such a way. I was like, well, that's odd. Right, but because women are writing and making this show, they can't possibly be doing anything wrong along those lines, right? We can't possibly uh, have oh, you a think conversation. that's what it is? Like, you don't think, I mean, like, the, whoever's writing the the teenage daughter thing, I mean, he, they're writing her like a dude writer right? teenage daughters. It's just like, you're taking no, their side? No, that's what teenage girls are like. It's like, you just fucking deface this whole place. Like, what do you mean? Take you always side. take their side. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? I laughed out loud when that happened. That's like, what she teenage just, girls are like. She yeah. just got you out of uh, a certain arrest is and what your stepmother what just did. Yeah. <laughs> well, she shouldn't have. You always take their side. Their side would be you in prison on yeah. Christmas Eve, you idiot. Just wait, Bob. Just wait. Uh, anyway, back to the sister who kills herself, no, though. No, we have to go to bed. I, we will. But the sister uh, uh, goes out onto the ice, right? She, so she goes, first of all, literally impossible that she checked herself out of a facility without the family getting notified. I don't believe that. Right. So, also, secondly, I mean, like uh, Christmas Eve, and they're, they're making a big show about how everybody's just at home and there's nobody out and about. And she was found like with, what, an hour or two? Okay, that's, that's what I'm getting at here. <laughs> she uh, goes – into the night, right? We've established that there's only night here, yes. right? She takes off all of her clothes and walks out onto the ice until she drops into the ocean. So what that means is that there's ice out to a point, and then there's less ice, and then there's ocean, right? It's yes. not like there's this – there's not going to be a cliff where right. it just happens. There's right. going to be sort of a, an in-between area where she presumably uh, drowns and, and becomes an ice cube. And within an hour – the Coast Guard has not only, in the dark of night, has not only happened to have been, on Christmas Eve, as you're saying, on Christmas Eve, found her body, but identified her body so that the Coast Guard themselves can call the individual next of kin yeah. on this completely unidentifiable body that they pulled out as an ice cube from the uh, Arctic Ocean. What the fuck are we talking about here? That's impossible. Yeah, th th that whole scene didn't make any sense. And then, you know, uh, you were saying earlier how, like, uh, even some of the better actors can't make this work. Uh, but, like, you have uh, inexperienced actors who were giving a lot, like the the detective who had to kind of, like, uh, emote the loss of her uh, sister and, like, kind of going through the experience. And it was kind of done in this clumsy way. I don't think it's her fault it's just like you're asking a lot of somebody who doesn't act professionally to kind right. of convey all of the different emotions of like anger and rage and what it just kind of came across a little off to me this is why representation doesn't fucking matter 
what matters is actually making good art and then and then we get to the next step if you're not going to make good art and instead you're just going to do representation then you're only going to do a disservice to your gender and to your to your fellow people of color like if if all that matters is the is the the personal identity of the individual rather than the ability of that person to tell a compelling story then you're only going to do harm to whatever cause it is that you're trying to put forward in in the in the sort of political choices that you make did around they, the making of of a show did they come out and say that that's what they're doing uh, couldn't it just be that they're the the, the people behind it ha- just happen to be women like what do you think there was some sort of concerted effort to do it this way i don't i don't see how you can watch this show and the and the story that they're trying to tell and not get that sort of political message from it and but then also and like, also in the in the reaction to it in the fans' negative reaction to it, the director and, and showrunner has been very defensive about how this is a misogynistic reaction to okay. a women-centric story that is being told here, uh, which is just nonsense. This is this is bad TV. But that's there are, all it okay. Is. But th- that's what I'm saying. I guess maybe it'll be it'll be taken in that way because people want it to be that way. But like. The the characters are just characters. It just happens to be women, right? Not, there's nothing about them being women detectives. That's maybe I'm missing something. Like what? They're just detectives, and they're women, and there are other women characters in it. But like the story isn't doesn't seem to be women. It seems to be like whatever. Just the the company's polluting uh, the water. Is, though. I think they, they are women. They are right. women, and they are forced to carry a burden that is a greater burden than the shitty men in their lives. I mean, it, it just comes down to. I mean, if you want to say that they simply reversed the normal assortment of. Uh, normally, this would be a show that has eighty percent men and and some twenty percent women. Fine, uh, and, and they they flipped that on its head, and that is interesting on its own. But I think that they are they are actively trying to make a certain political point about the story that they're telling. And I, I don't know, it just sucks. This whole thing is stupid and obvious, and I'm going to be so mad at it when it's like, you know, the it was the poison from the mine that caused all of these hallucinations. It's like, that is, as I said, my very first impression of this show was that they're going to cheat in a way that is going to be highly dissatisfying to me, which is that they're going to say that the mine caused all of these hallucinations, and the except that... Because of the way that it interacts with the actual real world, that won't be a satisfying explanation, right? right. It, is, it is too much in conversation with the reality of the show for you to just be able to say that these people have been brain poisoned uh, by, by what's ever going on with this, this shitty corporation. Right. It'll, it'll, it'll be that, but it, it can't just be that. By the way, the, uh, the older lady who had the big feast uh, where the detective showed uh-huh. up for, is she like not real? Like, is this just like a, a ghost or something or like who'd making that much food? Oh, is, is Rose herself also? I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch what? like episode two. Why would it, what, why is making the food? Make it just seemed kind real? of, it was very, it just kind of stuck out. Like what is going on here? That scene just felt she very like, food. also, dreamy. so why, uh, man, the more I think about the My show, God, the more I hate it. Jody Foster screams at the young true detective. Ghosts aren't real. Ghosts aren't yeah. real. Ghosts aren't real. Right. Uh, yeah. your sister's dead. Yeah. Uh, oh, whoops. Sorry. Yeah. But ghosts aren't real. Yeah. Uh, 
what the fuck are you talking about? And then in like the very next scene is yelling at her yeah. about how, hey, remember that time you saw a ghost? Don't think, fucking lie to me. You saw a fucking ghost. I think it's the same scene, wasn't it? I think it's the next scene. But it's, it is utterly contradictory of the moment before. say you saw a ghost. She said you saw something as in you're going crazy. Yeah, but what she saw was a ghost, is what we see in the flashback, right? And also, like, they're just, like, I mean, it's such a bad fucking show. Okay, it's bad. Calm down. The flashback that they show, you know, usually, like, okay, I may forget what happened to me a couple of episodes ago, but I think they, didn't the German national show up at the beginning of the episode, and then they flash back to him in the same episode? Like, oh, this is the guy? like. When they were chasing him, it was very odd how they're showing like visual. Like, hey, remember this from like forty minutes ago? It's very weird. Arguably, that uh, that rig that they go out to, that that boat that's frozen into the ice, could be a really cool set piece, right? Like, it could be something exciting and cool and weird and creepy in the way that so many of the sets in season one were exciting and weird and cool and creepy, and you were fucking scared out of your gourd because you didn't know what was going to happen next. But like, when it's just in, when it's only in service of being weird and creepy, instead of being in service to the plot. Then it just all completely falls apart for right. me. Like I, I, the reason I don't watch shows like American Horror Story is because I don't fucking care, right? Like you're not telling a, a compelling story in a way, at least as far as I know, uh, that is worth tuning in for. And simply having a cool set uh, that has a creepy, like you're running a Christmas tree on a battery. You're telling me that Mr. Methhead, German ghost guy, uh, dragged a Christmas tree and a car battery out to his boat so that he could have a, 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 a bogus-ass Christmas down there in the boat? Like, it doesn't make any goddamn sense. He just wants to smoke his meth. He doesn't have a Christmas tree out there. What are you talking about? show sucks, and it's only going to get worse what? is my suspicion. Two, two more episodes. I watched The Greatest Night in Pop, the documentary about We Are the World. Oh, how was it? It's great. It's great. Watch it. Oh, is it on Netflix or where is that on? Yep. Okay. It's great. I I failed to watch any Oscar contenders over the course of the last week. I hope to remedy that situation over the course of the next week. Still got a whole month. Yeah, there's a lot of movies to watch, though. (laughs) Is that it? Just got the Super Bowl to look forward to? Super Bowl. Fuck yeah. Happy Super Bowl, everybody. Super Bowl rules. Everybody should watch it. That's my recommendation for the week. (laughs) Abe, have you got anything else for us tonight? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then. And we'll talk to you next time. Later. Do we got to make chili? Oh, chili! I was thinking about inviting, letting letting the kid invite his friends over, but then I realized I don't want those fucking people in my house. I'd rather just uh, nice, quietly enjoy the game. But at the same time, I want the Super Bowl to be a like really fun thing for the boy. Yeah. But I really don't want his friends over, <laughs> so I'm kind of at odds with myself. Let's flip a coin. I think the answer is to uh, invite his friends over and stick them all in the basement. Yeah, we could oh. set up the TV. There you go. Like set up the TV down here. Yeah, that works. Uh, yeah, what are you going to do? You know, go out or are you going to go to a friend's party or what? Yeah, that's the plan. I, there was a, 
I may be in New Orleans this weekend, but we'll see. I, I've been I'm trying to like hey, go to see. some to some cities this year, just like to like Chicago's on the list. Somewhere you, in Utah's also on the list. Is one to like hit some cities. Nice. And I'm like, I may do that this weekend. We'll see. You yourself just go yeah. do it? Yeah, just me. Just go. New Orleans this weekend is going to be a fucking disaster. Yeah. That, so I was like, I was like, maybe I'd go on a quiet weekend. But I was like, you know what? I, why not see just the worst of New Orleans and then come back like another time? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you can find a room. Yeah. Uh, we'll is see. it Mardi Gras on Tuesday? No. Mardi yeah, I think Gras it's the, the following 13th, week. Yeah. But still, it's. But it's know. like Super Bowl weekend, too. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I didn't know that you had. Uh, is this just because you like you're sick of traveling with those fucking Indians? You yeah. just want to see stuff on your own? Or what? I just so many of the trips last year were just with like seven, eight, nine people. Like, and it's just like I was like, yeah. you know, like this traveling stuff is not so bad, except all of the like. Let's go to this place that has vegan food, or let's go there and get something cheap. And it's just like I just want to just be just eat a sandwich at the hotel bar. And Proceeding was created with 100% human content.